0: Welcome
2: back to Thirty Two Fans in Thirty Two Days. Kiva, today we have our special, our first triple header.
3: I hope this is the only triple header, to be honest.
2: Yeah, this one's gonna be long, so uh, you know, if you are taking the subway, maybe take the local. If you are in traffic, maybe uh hope that traffic stays there for a while because we're gonna power through the AFC North today. We're gonna start with the Pittsburgh Steelers, move on to the Cincinnati Bengals, and close with the Baltimore
3: Ravens. We're saving the Browns for number one, baby.
2: Yeah <laughs> Yeah, the Browns guys like, Hey, what about me? Uh yeah, Browns guy, Jim Latronica, we spoke to you about two, three weeks ago. You were in 27th place, but we have the Steelers in 9th, the Bengals in 8th, and the Ravens in 7th. And this division had three teams produce double-digit wins last year, which is really an incredible feat in the era of of the four-team division. The way that we've ranked them, we think it could happen again. We have these as the 4th, 5th, and 6th teams in the AFC, which means that, based on our power rankings, we think that all three are going to make the playoffs.
3: All three of them should make the playoffs, yeah.
2: Yeah, well, usually we have a longer introduction and we like to uh, chat, and that's what our fans demand. But I think today, since we have this triple header, we should just get going right away. So
4: That's let's start
2: with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And here to talk with us about the Pittsburgh Steelers today is Joe Siegel. Joe, how are you today?
4: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here with you. And I would like to thank my friend, Matt Fagan, for setting this up.
2: So. Listen, I'm just going to jump right down your throat and tell you why we have the Steelers third among those three AFC North teams. We'll, we'll start on defense and we'll switch to offense in my very brief, relatively down on the Steelers speech. But again, I'm not that far down. I have ninth overall. Uh, the defense was ranked 30th overall last year. It's the, it's the worst defense that they've had in a long, long time. And um, offensively... They were the second-best team in the NFL on offense last year, behind only the Packers. And Ben Roethlisberger, who's already won two Super Bowls and is probably headed to the Hall of Fame, he had far and away the best season of his career. He looked like a superstar. Le'Veon Bell looked like the best all-around running back in football, and Antonio Brown looked like the best wide receiver in football. But, and here's the big but, last year the Steelers were the healthiest team in football. The 11 starters they had on offense played 169 out of the 176 possible games. I mean, no team had better luck when it came to injuries and health last year than the Steelers, which is part of what allowed Roethlisberger to, to look like a superstar. And already this season, that's falling apart. Le'Veon Bell, as we know, he's going to miss a couple of games due to suspension. Martavis Bryant's going to miss four games due to suspension. And now Pouncey, their center and probably their best offensive lineman, he's going to miss at least half the season, if not more, due to injury. So I think those are the reasons why we think that their offense is going to take a step back from the elite level that they put up last year. And the defense, while it, it'll probably be better than last year, You know, the defense was bad enough that that's the reason that we have the Steelers third among the three top teams in the AFC North. So, Joe, you tell me, am I right? Am I wrong? You know, again, we think the Steelers are a playoff team, but we think they're a step behind their divisional opponents.
4: You know, you make some great pointers there. You state some great facts. You are partially right, but trying to be that unbiased fan that I I always am, I think you're wrong, mainly because I'm going to start with a more macro, then go into a more micro view of the team. Firstly, when the Steelers won their Super Bowls with Ben in 2005 and in 2008, and when they went back again in 2010, all of those teams had to go through some sort of adversity. First, let's go back in 2010. Ben was suspended the first four games of the season. We had a lot of new players. That was Antonio Brown's rookie season, Emmanuel Sanders when he was with the team. And then back in 2008, that Steelers offense did not have an existing or running game. Ben was always playing Kurt. So Ben and the offense and the team in general has always played well, especially through adversity and through tough schedules, which is uh, something we have this year. And unfortunately, unfortunately to Coach Tomlin's uh, resume, this team always plays to its competition. And this year we're playing against the NFC West, the Seahawks, the Niners, the Rams, the Cardinals. We're playing against the Broncos this year, the the AFC West we're also playing against the Pats and Colts. We have some heavy hitters this year, but this team always comes to play for whatever reason when the schedule um, is at its hardest. But you make some good points. We did have a lot of health. Great health last year. The the, the, the Triple Bs, the Killer Bs and Ben Brown and Bell and I you know, we got the quarterback and true you're right, um on Bell is going to be suspended the first two games of the year. But we got Big Ben there, and we may be lucky and not have to play against Tom Brady in the opener of the season. And then we get to play against a depleted Niners defense in the second game of the season. So hopefully, you know, we can take care of business. But as we know in the NFL, nothing is guaranteed. But, you know, the truth is, is that we do have a very tough division. The, the Ravens are always going to be there at the end of the year. Flacco seems to be healthy. Their team seems to be healthy their defense like ours is young but theirs seems to be a little bit more in the upswing and more ready to play than ours um, so they are going to definitely i think pose the greatest competition to us and we always play against well against the Bengals they have a great team but they don't have that elite quarterback like we do and that's why i think as a Steelers fan and any other and, and being a fan of any other team no one's really really that scared of the Bengals mainly because Andy Dalton doesn't pose such a threat and so we do have a young defense. You said we ranked 30th overall last year, which, and we were not good at all. But that's why, uh, but this year is going to be a little bit different. We got a new uh, defensive coordinator, new defensive philosophy. Even though we will be playing a lot of 3-4, there will be a lot of 4-3 concepts, concepts integrated into our defense. And the reason why that's going to be better for us this year is because over the past few years, the Steelers team has drafted a lot of big defensive ends, you weren't you, the prototypical 3-4 defensive ends that would have been part of the earlier Steeler teams. You've got Stephon it you got Cam Hayward, guys who are more built for a 4-3 defense. And because we'll be playing a little bit more 4-3 three, three and playing more to, uh, to our strengths, our defense will just have to be, get better. And therefore, like I'm, I am worried about the defense, but not as concerned as I, as I think we should be. And I do expect great improvements this year on the defensive side of the ball.
3: Uh, I want to talk about uh, quarterback uh, position for a second. Um, You know, we're definitely getting into later, uh, you know, is Joe Flacco elite and a lot of that nonsense. And we did a podcast recently where we ranked. The quarterback. do you remember where we ranked uh, Roethlisberger?
2: Yeah, well, you had him four, and I had him 11, because wow. I said I wanted to see, you know, last season I said he was top three, top four, but I wanted to see it more than once, so our average was seventh.
3: How many quarterbacks in the league do you think are better than uh, Ben Roethlisberger? So definitely you have to give respects and props to
4: the, uh, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, um, and then after, those two I think are in a class of, in their, of their own. And then right below that, I would say that's Class One A, <laughs> Class One B. Then I think you have to put in Aaron Rodgers, you have to put in Ben, and you have to put in. Um, I'm a I'm a big Russell Wilson fan. I think you have to put Russell Wilson in there. All that guy does is win and take care of, take care of business. Wait, no Drew Brees, no Andrew Luck. Not yet. Uh, Drew Brees would be in that third class, and Andrew like the Andrew Luck hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. And not that winning a Super Bowl is the only parameter, but he—he's you know he's still raw. He's still not post. He has his postseason resume needs a lot of work. Um, and he, th- you know, I just read this stat the other week on how he was um, one of the quarterbacks who had some of the, who was like one of the luckiest in terms of having his passes not intercepted. Um, he's a great quarterback. He will be in that elite class, I think. In uh, over time, he will be better than Ben.
3: But as of now, I would take Ben over Andrew Luck. Mm, Nice. the top five. That's uh, that's pretty good. So, you know, obviously, so we say, you know, Antonio Brown, probably the best receiver in the league. Le'Veon Bell, almost certainly the best uh, running back in the league. Although part of it is that I think people don't realize how great, you know, the Steelers line, sure you remember, you know, has really been maligned for even this great Mike Tomlin run. uh, And somehow they've really built it into a strength of their team, right? Right.
4: There have been a lot of patchwork. Offensive line teams. Like if you look back in that 2008 Super Bowl team, it was there were a lot of in- injuries. Like I mentioned, the offense, the you know our running game was not do, was not good at all. Isaac Redman, you know Gary Russell, uh, like we did not have strong running running teams back then. Um, but you know we had like back in 2013 when Marquise Pouncey, you know was out after the first drive of our season. It took us like a few games to get our feet, you know, feet under us. Uh, We started that season 0 and 4, but this team can go. But we finished that season 8 and 4 and should have been in the playoffs had I think it was a kicker on Kansas City had he not missed that kick. So this team knows it can play through injuries and play through adversity. It's just a matter of you know get you know getting it together and putting it together and being disciplined and not being penalized for offensive. holding or false starts etc that's what really i think it boils down to i think this team just need the offensive line needs to be disciplined and just just play to its capabilities and we should be
3: fine do you see somebody you know martavis Bryant's gonna miss a few games uh so we're talking about the elite players like bell and brown and obviously heath miller's been there it seems like forever do you see another person stepping up you know if roethlisberger needs it or if somebody goes down like is there a you know, is it Wheaton? Is it you know another tight end? Is it Dre Archer? Like, is there another player who could you know maybe add another element to the offense this season? I would love to see a guy like Dre
4: Archer or Marcus Wheaton just come out of nowhere and tear it up. But I personally feel like Ben is going to rely on his veterans, and that's why I see Heath Miller playing a bigger role in the first few games of the season. He, ben loves loves throwing it to Heath. Heath is a reliable target. He's got great hands. I just see them using him more, or um, especially in the red zone situations. You know, if we get, you know, we use Marcus Whedon more often and he plays better, you know, that's better for us. But as of now, I just see Heath Miller because he's been there and done that with Ben. That we'll use him more often.
2: I think now it's time for Akiva's favorite part of the podcast, and that's the roster game.
4: Sure, pick number seven. Tell me what you know about Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas, defensive tackle, I believe, out of Clemson,
3: North Carolina, so right state. Okay. Do you want more details? Well, if you know anything, do, <laughs> uh, he,
4: play? he wears <laughs> – no, he doesn't play that often. He usually plays – he was a late-round draft pick. I want to say sixth, and he doesn't play so often. I want to say in garbage time or special teams.
3: Yeah, Pro uh, Football uh, Focus lists him as poor, which is not a good <laughs> thing. Right.
4: What would
2: Pro Football Focus say about you and me, Thank you. <laughs> Well,
3: we'd just be not enough info because we'd be murdered on the first play. <laughs> You want to give me another number? Sure. Uh, let's do one. 36 for Jerome Bettis. 36 for the bus. You know he's from Detroit?
4: Yeah, I've never heard that before.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about Mitchell Van Dyke. Whoa.
4: Oh, oh Lord. Uh, yeah. Undrafted rookie. I want to say he, he's a defensive. He's in the secondary, and that's all I can. Now,
3: yeah. He's a big tackle. He's a 6'7 oh. tackle. <laughs> from Portland State. Is he gonna? You think he's gonna make the team? I don't think so.
2: Portland State made March it. Madness a couple years ago. I didn't even know they had a football team though. That's
3: where Julius Thomas went school. they really? They, I don't think school. Portland State did not make March Madness. I thought
2: they were like a 14 seed now.
3: I don't. I believe yeah, Julius you're Thomas. Julius Thomas went to school there. Oh really? Yeah.
2: Oh, but he played basketball there also.
3: Right. That's what. That's when they made the tournament. Oh, Humphrey. there we go. Are you sure? <laughs> All right. Now we have to Google that. Portland State Vikings. <laughs> I'm checking this up. In the meantime, give me one more number. Alright, uh, Yeah, you're 86. right. They, they, they made the 09 tournament. As a 14 I, I
2: seed, right?
3: I stand corrected. Was Julius Thomas on the tournament team?
2: Thomas and Portland State made the tournament not once, but twice.
3: Yeah, 09, 08 and 09. And Julius Thomas played on those teams?
2: Yeah, he was averaging 11.6 rebounds a game.
3: Good job, Julius. He'll pine for the days of Portland State on the Jaguars this year. What was, what was your number? 86 for Heinz Ward. Oh, Heinz Ward. My, uh, my former coworker. <laughs> um, uh, Sammy Coates. Tell me about Sammy Coates a third
4: round draft pick, wide receiver out of Auburn, led the SEC in, I think average yards per catch, extremely fast, questionable hands. Um the Steelers see him as a you know, I think a Mike Wallace type player. He'll have to earn his trust with Mike Tomlin and the coaches to see if we can use him on third downs or, you know, so that he can spread the field. Um, I think he has a lot of potential. He's made a few nice catches this this preseason,
3: and I'm looking forward to him, you know, tearing it up this year. All right, all right. So we we got a guy who knows the stuff. He knows the inner workings of the team.
2: Yeah. So you know, let's talk about this defense. You know, you mentioned the new coordinator. It, it's not the same as San Francisco, of course. But you had a number of guys retire. Of course, Troy Polamalu, who I think the Steelers wanted out. Ike Taylor, who was, you know, both of them were were definitely not at their peak last year, but they weren't the biggest problems defensively. And Dick LeBeau, of course, the legendary defensive coordinator, uh, was uh, somewhat surprisingly, I think, shown the door. And um, so, you know, this is a defense that leaves a lot of room for improvement. And you mentioned at the opening a little bit about why you think they will be better. But talk about some of the specific players who you think have to step up to, to really help this defense take a big step forward this year.
4: Really, it's everyone on the defensive end. It's really, the only one who's like really shown his medal has been uh, Lawrence Timmons. Literally, everyone else, whether it's Cam Hayward, even though he was rewarded with a uh, contract extension this year, uh, whether it's Cam Hayward, Ryan Chazier, and Jarvis Jones, please show up. Like one of you two. Um, but uh, uh, we got Lawrence Timmons. He's great. Um, who else needs to? Show? We got James Harrison. He's so reliable. He's a monster. If you guys haven't seen his videos where he's working out, oh my lord, he's an animal. Uh, but he's going to be there. But our secondary has always been a problem. We got Shamarco Thomas, who I'm not. I'm a little bit worried about. I don't know what to make of him yet. He was supposed to be a, a Bob Sanders type safety. I haven't seen either. I haven't seen anything resembling Bob Sanders in his play. The his first two years in the NFL. Hopefully, he'll like wake up and play like Bob Sanders. Mike Mitchell. Uh, he was always seems to, he seemed to always be chasing someone in the in the in the uh, you know down the sidelines. And he said after the season he tore his groin. Hopefully he's healthy and can play well this year, like he did back in 2013 with the Carolina Panthers. And our corners, we got Boykins from the Eagles, who I I expect to be starting day one. Um, I think he's going to play well. But really, it's all about creating turnovers. And we're playing against a lot of elite quarterbacks this year, and they Joe Joe Flacco elite. I I I (laughs) I do. I think he's definitely top ten. He's top ten, and the and he, but he plays against us very well. It's you know divisional rival. You know it's a big divisional rivalry between us, and he play like Joe Flacco against us usually. So he comes to play, but we just need to create turnovers. That's what this you know that's what really the best defenses do. They just create turnovers, and when you do that, you increase your odds of winning, and you increase your chances of making the playoffs. And that's what this defense ultimately needs to do. It's just we know the offense will be there. The defense needs to show up and play big.
2: By the way, Akiva, I forgot to mention this to you. I got an email uh, from Apple iTunes, and it said, Congratulations, you have a podcast. Not an award-winning podcast, not the Betcock podcast, but a podcast. So I thought we should have a (laughs) celebratory episode for the fact that we have a podcast. And I've actually sent an email out to James Harrison to see if he wants to be a guest on that episode. Oh, nice. I'll be a guest. Well, I think that James Harrison—he's the kind of guy who really supports, you know, you know, maybe not a success, but the fact that you've participated. So I think that the fact that we have a podcast—I <laughs> uh, think that he'll be happy to, uh, you know, I haven't heard back from him yet, but I'm, I'm sure he'll he'll approve of it, right? So.
3: Well, we get—we do get a trophy for having a podcast, right?
2: Well, I'm going to print out the email and you know maybe plaster that on a trophy. So I actually heard that uh, in the recycling bin in uh, one of the suburbs of Pittsburgh, there's uh, two trophies for a six and eight-year-old boy, uh, with, but there's like a logo of a football on it, so I thought that might work. Unrelated, of course. Oh, boy. All right, I've run this joke into the ground.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking it would be funny if, like, fantasy football leagues had, like, participation trophies. Like, the guy who comes in, like, 11th in your fantasy football league
2: So what we did gets, this, it, gets what, a trophy. What we did this year is actually the guy in 12th place, uh, we have, like, a, um, a license plate frame. Mm-hmm. The, our league is called the AYFFL. By the way, I'm gonna to have to edit this all out because nobody cares. Um, so it's the AYFFL AY toilet bowl loser, and they have to uh, put the frame on their license on their car, and uh, keep it there for the 12 months until there's another loser the following year.
3: Do people actually do that, or no?
2: Well, so we had a vote on what should happen. Nobody's to the
3: wife lot. is driving around with that car. Let's be fair.
2: Well, we we had a vote on what to do for the last place team, and that got 10 votes out of 12. So.
3: And, and, but how do you like? Is there proof? Like, let's say a guy is like living in Philly or something, and is in your league.
2: I mean, if, if you lie, then you, uh, you know, you would defeat. But your... did
3: the person who did it this year actually have that? No, no, it just,
2: it, we just proposed it this year. So.
3: Oh, okay, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. And you live in Manhattan, you probably don't even have a car. I don't
2: so. I don't have a car, I was one of the two people who voted against it. By the way, the best one, since now we're on this, and I apologize, Joe, is uh, Shamaria Stuart Gasner and he pretends to be a Steelers fan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so his proposal, which was phenomenal, is that you would have to take the SATs and uh, submit the score to the entire league. and, and the wrinkle That's, of, pretty, good. And, That's and, pretty good. But the wrinkle of that is that you wouldn't be, Permitted to take it on a Saturday, so you'd have
3: what to that
2: you'd have to get a letter from a rabbi saying that you, for religious reasons, <laughs> oh. you have to take it on a Sunday. Which means, oh, as, okay. as an adult, we got those. as an adult, you'd have to go to the rabbi, say to him, <laughs> "I need a special letter to take
3: the. Can't SATs. you just take like a mock SATs and like pay <laughs> no, someone no, no. the market you or gotta
2: register You got to sit in class next to the other. Do seniors. they
3: let like a thirty-year-old person take the SATs?
2: Why not? What? Age discrimination?
3: Are uh, you going to like sitting there with a bunch of 16-year-olds?
2: Exactly. But the best part is you got to talk to this rabbi. Ask, he's like, well, what do you need this for? Ah, I lost my fantasy football.
3: <laughs> fantasy football.
2: <laughs> then you oh, walk boy. in. By the way, the Proctors definitely think you're cheating, so they're going to like sit you in the corner. And uh, It was actually really good, but uh, that one unfortunately did not get the uh, majority vote. That
3: is a really funny idea. All right, let's get – we're off the rails here. What were we up to?
2: So, you know, yeah, now let's turn to the schedule. And, you know, as you mentioned, the Steelers have a tough schedule. And, and, and the, the positive side of that, of course, is the fact that, as you said, they can rise to meet their opponents – Before we get to that, I just want to ask you, uh, as a Steelers fan, actually, I'm I'm a Vikings fan, and we had Mike Tomlin as D coordinator for one year, and then the Steelers came to town and asked for an interview. And at the time, I was apoplectic because I said, we have this clown Brad Childers as coach. You have the Pittsburgh Steelers who have had two coaches in the last 35 years, and if they want your defensive coordinator as a coach... How about you fire your crappy ass head
3: coach and <laughs>
2: hire Tomlin? And I was, you know, I was really disappointed that they that they let him go. And uh, you know, Tomlin to me seems like you know probably the best motivator of uh, of talent is just about any coach in the NFL. And he's really taken over from where Cowher left off. And how do you feel about about Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh?
4: I think he, like you said, I think, do think he's a great leader, a great motivator. The only knocks I have against him, and it's not, it shouldn't be, you know, directly his fault, but the only thing I've seen as a difference between his style or his game management versus Cowers is that, like I mentioned before, the Steelers like to play to their competition. And over the years, it just has seemed sometimes that whenever the Steelers play against like a 3 and 11 Browns team, a 3 and 11 Raiders team. We always somehow struggling, we always somehow struggle against them. And one game has always come to mind is I remember it was a Sunday night football game in Kansas City and we were playing against the third string quarterback in Tyler Paco, who's from Pittsburgh and played at University of Pittsburgh and it was a tight game for like majority of the game and like any other, you know, team would have destroyed that that Kansas City Chiefs team. And we were just struggling against them, and it, you know, I don't know what it is, but sometimes, the, the, you know, these Steelers teams just like to play to our competition. But uh, the only, the, I mean, Tomlin's, I think, a great, you know, I, a talent identifier in the draft on the offensive side of the ball. He's found some amazing receivers, and Mike Wallace, Antonio Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, Martavis Bryant. And, uh, probably I think in Sammy Coates, I think he hit the jackpot there again. However though, the only, only knock against, I have against him in the drafts is that we haven't really been able to find like Pro Bowl caliber defensive talent. Uh, we, he got Woodley and Timmons his first year. And Woodley, as you know, he's kind of fallen off the NFL map. And Timmons has been like a steady force in the middle of our defense. But otherwise, like we were, he was riding a little bit on the coattails of the Troy Polamalu's, the Aaron Smiths, the James Harrisons. and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just we need to identify and 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 grow and grow our defensive talent. And I think you know, you know we you are you know, the Jarvis Jones and Ryan Shazier situations are a microcosm of what has happened over the past eight years under Tomlin's regime. But uh, you know he's got a great track record so far, so he's doing something right. It's just, you know, if I had to critique him and give, you know, you know, just point out some of the negatives, those would be my, you know, my main two negatives. All
2: right, and actually one thing we noticed, which was, uh, I just noticed this recently, which was interesting, is uh, Tomlin's the only coach in the NFL in the last number of years who consistently uh, wins more than 50% of his challenges. Just, as a fan of just about any other team can tell you, it's really frustrating when your coach does stupid challenges, so he seems to uh, avoid that. No,
4: no, he's great. No, he's great in games with his, you know, most of his play calls, his you know, I like to say, like, on his toes, decision-making, you know, he's great with that. So, yeah, so
2: now let's jump to the schedule, and you, you touched upon it at the top, uh, week one, that, that huge Thursday night game to kick off the NFL season on Sunday Night Football at New England, and, you know, it's still up in the air, and, you know, whether Tom Brady is going to be there or not, and, and we can, you know, I've heard people who are 100% confident that he will be and 100% confident that he won't be, so it's impossible to know if he is there. I think you won't find a more you know, pissed-off fan base and coach and team than, uh, than the Patriots, and they'll be looking to run up the score. But, but, so it's sort of a little unfair to ask you to make a prediction when you don't even know whether you're going to be facing Brady or Garoppolo. But, but we're putting you on the spot, and uh, are you saying that's a win or a loss in Week 1 at New England?
4: Well, I want to say, when is Bill, when is Bill Belichick never pissed off? <laughs> like, he's always upset. <laughs> yep. like, there's one team that always scares me, and then that's the Patriots. But if if Brady isn't there, I like the Steelers in a close one. I, and I don't I don't know what Garoppolo can bring to the table. I don't know if the Patriots know what he can bring to the table. So I like the Steelers week one, 2016.
2: All right, and then you come home and it gets much easier in week two at home against San Francisco, and they got all kinds of problems.
4: They do, but it's it's an opponent we don't see too often. I I do like the Steelers at home. I like the Steelers 28-13 we got some specific scores here. And, um, and now we have week three at St. Louis. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, that's going to be a tough game, man. Aaron Donald, also from Pittsburgh, went to Penn Hills High School, went to the University of Pittsburgh, defensive rookie of the year last year. He's such a force up in the middle. That whole defensive line, it scares me. You know, they pretty much took care of Peyton Manning last year. They made him into, I don't know what he was, uh, shell of himself. They have got a good, tough defense that's really like Super Bowl caliber. I don't know what's going to happen in that game. I want to see, you know, Le'Veon Bell comes back. He'll be ready to go. I don't trust Nick Foles. I don't trust their offense still, even though Jeff Fisher is a great head coach, and he always seems to play against the Steelers since his Tennessee Titans day uh, very competitively. I'm going with my Steelers. Take a low-scoring game on the road. 14-10.
2: I like these specific scores. You know, the uh, the New York Times for years and years every Sunday they would predict the score of every single NFL game, and I read an article that made a big deal of the fact that they had been doing it for like 14 years. And, you know, that's 256 games a year, so a few thousand games. They had literally never gotten a single game right. <laughs> and so they uh, they abandoned it, and they went for the wins and the losses. But I like the fact that you're predicting exact scores here. Yeah, uh, you know, at least it gives us a perception of whether you think it's closer or not too close of a game. Now you come home on a short week, uh, the Thursday-nighter, against the hated Ravens.
4: Ooh, man. That's going to be, whatever the score is, going to be, like, within three points. So whatever you want, it could be 3 nothing or it could be 33-30. It's going to be within three points. Uh, that's how these games always Role, But we'll be ready to play. I remember I actually went to Baltimore last year to go see the Steelers play the Ravens on a week Two thursday night game, and that was not a pretty game. But this year, we'll be ready for it. We, you know, It's a huge divisional rivalry, and we don't play them until, I believe, the last game of the season. So we want to take care of business now, especially at home. Um, I like the Steelers winning. I just don't know what's going to I don't know what the score is but it's going to be within 3 points.
2: All right, so now you're 4 and 0 and now you have 11 days off until you travel to San Diego to face the Chargers on Monday Night Football.
4: When I was back in high school we used to play the Chargers very well when Drew Brees and Sean Merriman and Danny Tomlinson was were on those teams, but our defense was much better then. This may be I think that trap game we are on the West Coast. Phillip Rivers is really good. Keenan Allen's a beast. Also, Melvin Gordon. I don't know what he's going to be. I think he's going to be very good. I'm gonna. I will. I, I'll probably have to say I like the Steelers, but if, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers win this game.
2: So we're asking you to put a winner or a loss in it right now. What are you doing?
4: Ooh. I can't go I five and oh wow. I'd be too much. Mo- I'm gonna. I'll say this is the Steelers' first loss, which I don't mind.
2: All right, so four and one. Then you come back home to face Arizona, who uh, has another tough defense.
4: Right, but uh, Arizona has got a little bit of. I like their. I love Bruce Arians as a head coach there, but I don't. I like our chances against Carson Palmer if he's held, if he's still playing by then. They do have a great defense. I think Patrick Peterson is a beast, but I like our. I like our offense so much. Um, I expect Antonio Brown and uh, Martavis Bryant to just tear it up. And I like our Steelers big that game. Go 24-10. Uh, that's
2: a big win. So yeah, so you you overcome the the missing Bryant and Le'Veon Bell the first few weeks to jump up to that four 0 start. Now you're five one, and another tough road game. You know, at Arrowhead against another team with uh, playoff aspirations in the AFC.
4: So you're right. This is gonna be this is a tough game because we beat we pretty much knocked them out last year at Heinz Field. Uh, so they're gonna have a lot of revenge. Their offense has improved with Jeremy Macklin. But, I mean, Alex Smith, you know, he is a great game manager. And Steelers historically don't always play well at Arrowhead. Uh, it's a tough place to play. I
3: like, I like Kansas City that game, 27. All right, so let's go. You have a, a three-game home stretch going into a bye, which is a pretty soft part of the schedule. So let's go rapid fire here. Hosting the Bengals, Raiders, and Browns. So starting with the Bengals, win or loss? Bengals win. You're going to beat the Bengals, and then you host the Raiders. Yeah. So, like, I, this will be
4: surprisingly one of the, our tougher games of the year. But Derek Carr is legit, I think. And Amari Cooper um, is also good. But I, I like the Steelers. We take care of business at home against the
3: Raiders. Third home game in that stretch is hosting the Browns.
4: I, I like our chances against the Browns Any for any game, even though they did crush us the second game last year. But I saw that, I saw that game coming. But I like our chances... Home against the Browns, I say Steelers one big 24-7. All right, so now you have a three-game winning streak of
2: eight and two, and uh, this next game is going to be a, a, probably a primetime game for much for much of the country. After the bye week, you're going at Seattle, will probably also be around eight and two or so.
4: So the Seattle's got a great team. I got a lot of friends in Seattle; they're huge Seahawks fans. I love trash talking with them. I really would love to see us win, but. It's, they, their fans are so crazy loud out there, but I do think we'll be, I think it will be a tight game, but I think eventually Seahawks will just uh, pull away. I like the Seahawks that game. Yeah,
2: and every game after the bye is really tough for this team. Hopefully Pouncey might be back by then and uh, shore up the offensive line a little bit, but you're 8-3, you come home, Sunday night football against the Colts, and, uh, you know, Akiva says sometimes some of these late Sunday night games, oh, that one's going to be flexed out, but, but this one will not be flexed out, Colts and Steelers. That's going to be on yeah. TV on Sunday night.
4: It won't be. It's gonna be a high-scoring game. Neither defense will come up to play. Um, But I like our Steelers. My Steelers. I mean, I like them. They play well at home, especially prime time. I think we play historically well against the Colts too. I know that, that doesn't really mean much. All the teams are different. But I like our I like our team at home against the Colts.
2: So now you're 9 and 3 and it's interesting because you face all three divisional opponents at home earlier in the season. And now in December you got to go on the road and face each one of them and each one of them looking for revenge. So the first one is at Cincinnati.
4: Ben plays well in, against Ohio teams especially in Ohio. We we pull out a Hard-fought win in Cincinnati.
2: So now you're 10 and three. You sweep the season series against the Bengals, and so this next game might even be, you know, for, with a bye on the line. And it's at home again, a late CBS game. The whole country's gonna be watching. Uh, Phil Simms and Jim Nantz talking about uh, Peyton Manning against Ben Roethlisberger and the Broncos.
4: It's going to be a. That's. that really is a tough game. I personally think the Steelers could go 12 and 4 this year. So it's either a loss this week or a loss the following week. I say we win this week against the Broncos for whatever b- reason.
2: At Baltimore, you're 11 and 3. You know, I'm it's not- very
4: hard. It's very hard for me to say that we'll sweep the Ravens. We've done it before. Ben has beaten the Ravens on in primetime games there. But I'm going to give the the game to the Ravens. I say we split the season series this year.
2: All right, so now you're 11 and four, and you finish the season at Cleveland. And as you said, Cleveland beat you by three touchdowns last year uh, towards the end of the season. And you know who knows who their quarterback is at this point. But uh, if you guys are 11 and four, I don't I don't know if you know if the Bengals. I don't know if you know if you've clinched a division yet, or if the Bengals or, or the Ravens might be. You know, if they're 11 and four, or even 10 and five, which means with a win and a loss for you guys, they might win the division. So, do you think the division's on the line in week 17 at Cleveland?
4: It could be, and we'll take care of business if it ha- if it is. Uh, wow!
2: So twelve and four, you have the uh, the Steelers going, and you know it's interesting. Uh, Akiva and I both have the uh, the, the the Ravens uh, a step above the Bengals and the Steelers, but um, but you think the Steelers are twelve and four and, and winning the division, and, and do you think they had a buy out of that, or do you think that they're still?
4: I think we do. I think. I was
2: going to say you you've in this schedule you've beaten the Patriots and the Colts and the Broncos, so you'd win just about any tiebreaker with those teams.
4: Right. And, you, you, well, we, we we're fortunate if we play Jimmy Garoppolo week one. So yep. that's not like the real Patriots, yep, right? And then there.
2: the other two are at home, yep.
4: And I think the Broncos are going to regress this year. I, I think Pan and Manning, that Rams game really hurt him physically and mentally last year. You know, when you see a team rough him up, he's not the same. I don't see why everyone's obsessed with the Bengals. They've got a great team, but they are missing that key ingredient in a quarterback. And I I know it's just preseason, but if you saw Andy Dalton that Monday night against the Buccaneers, he looked horrendous. He looked like like he was in postseason form actually. <laughs>
2: Yeah, he's uh he's pretty good in the regular season, but uh, I guess in preseason he's uh, in postseason form, as you said, which means you know a couple of interceptions and maybe they Pick muster six, six. ten points yeah. at ten points at the most. Uh, yeah, but usually it's against you know Houston or somebody. It's not you know this against Tampa Bay. That's a lot worse. All right, so so twelve and four, and uh, this is that's kicking off a uh, you know an intense AFC North podcast we're gonna have today because uh, I'm sure our Bengals fan and our Ravens fan will will have something to say about that. Did, let me ask you, how many of those three teams do you see making the playoffs this year?
4: I see the Steelers and Ravens making the playoffs, and I see the Bengals miss. Single, out on the playoffs.
2: All right, who do you think is the other wild card, then, along with Baltimore?
4: So I, I think, I mean, New England, I just want to say New England wins the division. Yep. I see Indianapolis easily winning theirs, and I see San Diego winning the West. With the Broncos taking the other wild card. Uh, okay.
2: Thanks a lot for joining us today. Uh, Joe, that is the, the step one of our AFC North triple header. And, uh, next we have to turn to the
4: Cincinnati Bengals. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Yeah, that's, that's an intense division you guys have there. It is, but the Bengals are going to fall apart. You'll see this is a year where they're like, Bengal fans are like, oh my gosh, we need a new, like, we'll get a new quarterback next year. Like, I have a Super Bowl prediction. Like yep. we didn't go there. I actually like, I like, the Ravens over the Lions in the Super Bowl the this
2: Lions. year. The Lions, wow.
4: Oh. oh, Lions are going to be this year's surprising team. The, the Packers are done. Uh, the done? I think, they're done? They're <laughs> done? They're done. They're done. Yeah, I'm being – like, I think they're done. At first, I didn't think they were going to win it all anyway with Jordy Nelson, but no one likes their chances, but whatever, then, forget no one. Uh, the Lions, Jim Caldwell, I think is doing underratedly good things. He's coming out of nowhere. This team is going to be ready to play. Abdullah, let's... I think they're going to surprise teams. And I think the- But
2: why are the Packers done? Just because of Jordy Nelson?
4: I, I don't know. I just like the Lions a lot this year.
2: I, I think the Packers are the best team in football. They only lost that game last year to Seattle in the NFC Championship because of coaching malpractice. Mike McCarthy is such a bad coach, or, you know, at least when it comes to on-field decision-making, and you know, I don't know what he's like, you know, with practice and stuff, but. I think they're really good, and, and Jordy Nelson you know, is important, but Aaron Rodgers is so good. Anyway, um, thanks a lot. All right, great. thanks for having me again. Okay, have a good night. All right, Akiva, so let's jump to the second team at the top of that AFC North now, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals. You had them at number eight, and I had them at number ten. So we basically have them neck and neck with Pittsburgh and just a smidge behind Baltimore. And here to talk about the Bengals with us is Zach Sosna. Zach, how are you
5: today? I'm doing great. How are you?
2: We are good. So today it's all about the AFC North. This was obviously a very tough division last year. Three teams that won ten games or more last season. And the Bengals, of course, have done that now three years in a row. And Andy Dalton, whatever you think about him, every single year he's been in the NFL, he's led his team to the playoffs. And Marvin Lewis, you know, the much maligned Marvin Lewis who's been around the league forever and has never won a playoff game. But the bottom line is he's been in the playoffs for each of the last four years you know and there's few coaches who can make that claim. So I guess the first question we'll ask you is how do people in Cincinnati feel about about both Marvin Lewis and Andy Dalton? Dalton's clearly here for the long term. They just signed a big extension. But you know, it seems like this is a team that can definitely make it to the playoffs, but that's pretty much their ceiling.
5: Yeah, I feel like a lot of people in Cincinnati feel Andy is our ceiling. Um, they are not a huge Andy Dalton fans, a lot of Andy Dalton haters. Um they just aren't used, we're just expecting more from him and he just hasn't hasn't lived up to those heights
2: so then i guess i guess the question is where where can this team go so as we said you know last year they went 10-5 and 1 but when you look a little deeper at the numbers they, um, you know, they, they weren't necessarily a, a team that, that goes 10-5-1. They had the Pythagorean of about a 500 team. They lost four games by three touchdowns, which was the most in the NFL, you know, as, as much as any of the terrible teams at the bottom of the league, which is really unusual for a playoff team. And you know both the offense and the defense regressed from the year before, and part of that, of course, was injuries. Of course, AJ Green, especially on the offense, and then on the defense, you know, Geno Atkins w- was back from, but he was he was still struggling, and a number of other players were struggling. So, and they went undefeated in close games in in close games last year, which of course is no correlation year to year. So do you see this as a team that can can once again go about, you know, 10 and 6 or so and, and be in the playoffs and, you know, then maybe not succeed in the playoffs, but, you know, who knows, at least you get there. Or do you think it's a team that's probably headed a little closer to 500?
5: Uh, no, I think most definitely we are definitely more of the 10 to 12 win types type team. 12 wins, wow. Yeah, so I was listening to your podcast about the different quarterbacks, and you said that the reason you're doing it, because you never know if the talent's there if it's the quarterback, and I think we're one of those teams that just missing – you know that elite quarterback. I'm not like an Andy Dalton hater, but we have a lot of talent around Andy, and both on the offensive defensive side of the field. Um, last year we were missing, you know, two of our top three uh, targets the entire season, and Marvin Jones and Tyler Eifert, and um, Gresham just never lived up to what he was supposed to be. And then Sanu was stuck being the one, the number one for a while when AJ was nat- had the nagging injury all season. So when Snuu's your number one target, and you're already hindered by uh, quarterback with not the highest of ceilings, then you're not going to be a successful team, and we still won 10 games.
2: Yeah, and I mean, they certainly have a lot of talent on offense, uh, you know, even before we get to the receivers. A couple of years ago, Gio Barnard was the stud rookie running back in the NFL, and then all of a sudden last year, especially late in the year, Jeremy Hill came out of nowhere to look even better. So now they have both of them in the backfield, and then they have, as you said, you know, A.J. Green is healthy for the first time. Uh, Marvin Jones. I'm glad to hear that uh, you mentioned him. I actually took him today with the very last pick of my fantasy football draft, so I'm hoping that he can do something. Um, and you know, and then they have some of the other pieces who were banged up last year, like like Tyler Eifert, who who hasn't done anything yet, but he was a relatively high draft pick for a tight end. So there are a lot of pieces around him, but the thing is, you know, Dalton is the guy. So so what reasonably can they expect from the offense if if Dalton, as you said, sort of has a limited ceiling?
5: Well, I think. Uh Dalton's getting better every year, and like the, a couple of years ago, when we lost in the playoffs. there was a lot on Dalton, and last year he was just missing his weapons. So I feel as he has progressed, was last year he really took a step forward, but he lost a lot of those weapons he had relied on. So hopefully this year, if we stay healthy and Andy Dalton has progressed even more, then that that's what can take us to the next level.
3: I find the Dalton conversation like like you said, you know, Dalton is who he is. Maybe he's a middle you know a middling quarterback. Maybe he's, you know, like the 25th best quarterback. It doesn't matter. You're not, realistically, you're, there's no way to improve on him unless you guys completely tank and go 2-14. and 14. So, really the thing that bothers me is the whole Marvin Lewis thing. Because, as you said, this is a really talented team. And we like to talk about, you know, the team's 2-53, you know, everyone other than the quarterback. And the Bengals can really match up with just about any team in the NFL. They're loaded on defense with, you know, Perfect and Geno Atkins and Dunlap and Leon Hall and all those guys. And they have a stud receiver. They have, you know, probably a top-five offensive line in the NFL. And then they have, you know, the supporting cast, like you said, the Joneses and the Eiferts and the Sanus. Plus, they have a two-headed running back monster who, you know, maybe combined isn't as good as, say, a Jamal Charles or a Marshawn Lynch, but it's as good of a one-two punch as there is in the league. So, to me... It's almost like if I was a Bengals fan, I would almost be boycotting at this point because it's clear that there's a ceiling with Marvin Jones to me. It, it, it's just uh, – Marvin Lewis, excuse me. Uh, it's clear to me that there's a ceiling with Marvin Lewis. They, it, it, it's absurd that he's still the coach. You, you know, I can't I – can't, I, when was the last time, Alex, we'd have to look this up, that a coach – what year is this for Lewis, 11 years?
2: Not yeah. longer. He's been there since 2003.
3: 2003, oh, so yeah. It's his 13th year, I think. 13th year. I mean, I, when was the last time a coach went 13 years without a playoff win? It certainly hasn't happened since uh, the merger. I, you know, I, I guess the playoffs were didn't really exist in like the 40s and 50s.
2: Yeah, but also, I mean, let's be fair. They've made the playoffs four years in a row. The Bengals had never made the playoffs even three years in a row before, so they're doing something right. And look, once you get yeah, to the big dance, there's not can so
3: much value in making the playoffs.
2: Well, but look, any look. I'm not going to turn into a Dalton defender here, but anything can happen in the playoffs. We've seen Eli Manning, who's an otherwise average quarterback in the regular season, do enough with a good with a good defense to make it to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl twice. If the Bengals are a team with you know with ten to twelve win talent.
5: <laughs> yeah, but I mean the, the city of Cincinnati is pretty much fed up with we're over the fed up part with Marvin, to be honest. We're like way past the whole get Marvin out of town. We're like we know he's not going anywhere, wow. so it's kind of like we're, we're just, we know we're stuck with Marvin, and he's here until he retires. So you and guys do want him out then,
2: and you don't think he can get fired no matter what he does?
5: Um, he has had two and fourteen seasons, uh, three and thirteen, or what? Uh, and it just and he wasn't fired then, and he was given another chance. Um, no, I don't think he'll be fired. I don't think there's anything he can do to be fired. Wow. So think,
2: if, if they cratered and went three and 13 this
5: year he's still the coach yeah probably unfortunately uh, unfortunately uh, Mike Brown doesn't really fire coaches uh, really it took the a
3: miracle m- is that you guys were ever good you know with your with your ownership
5: yeah but it's getting better Tro- uh, Troy and Katie um, uh, Katie is uh, Mike's uh, daughter and Troy is her husband and they're kind of taking over the team and as they take over the there's been more and more improvements so there's uh, there's light there's light coming up.
2: Yeah, it's funny. When I was a kid, and I think that uh, Akeev and I are a little bit older than you, Zach, the Bengals were the worst team in the NFL. You know, I was growing up in the 90s, and they had the worst record in the 90s. I don't think they were ever above 500. I think they were just about, you know, 4 and 12, 3 and 13 every year. And they had, you know, they had Carl Pickens. They had Corey Dillon. They had some solid players. Um, they had Jeff Blake, who I always liked. But, um, I mean, they were just a really, really bad team. And it's funny because now you guys make the playoffs almost every year, and you're sick of your coach. <laughs> Akiva, you're a Jets fan. You, you wouldn't kill to be making the playoffs every single year.
3: No, because I'm also a San Antonio Spurs fan, oh and I God. know that the that the you know go to you know go to the playoffs every year like the Atlanta Hawks used to and get right, knocked out in the first you can't
2: round. football to basketball, it's totally
3: different. It doesn't matter. Like they, they can't win the Super Bowl as they're currently constituted. I don't think, wow. and I don't think the Bengals fans think they can either.
5: I I think Bengals fans are incredibly optimistic. Um, so I would venture to say they do think that they can win with this team.
3: Wow. Well, let's let's look at the team a little bit more in depth. Uh, are you familiar with the roster game, Zach? We go with uh, fifty-one. Okay, you guys have a linebacker named Chris Carter.
5: Oh, Chris Carter. He's. I actually think he's going to make the team. Does um, he have a fall guy? This Chris Carter. Oh boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Sorry
2: for cutting you off there.
5: No, no, no. You're fine. Uh, Chris Carter's more of a third-down uh, pass-rushing specialist. Um, and he actually recorded a sack and a half yesterday during the game, and he had another sack that was taken away because of a penalty. Uh, I really think that going into camp, I never, I didn't think he had much of a chance. Uh, but the way he's been playing, I think that he might have taken a roster spot away from somebody else. He's really getting to the quarterback.
3: Alright, let's let's try and stump you. Give me another uh
5: give me another number. Eleven.
3: Uh Ryan Hewitt.
5: Ryan Hewitt. Uh last year we uh got him. He's an undrafted free agent and now he's our star fullback. He's kind of like the tight end uh fullback hybrid. Uh he's he's incredible. if you watch a lot of Jeremy Hill's big runs last year, you'll see Ryan Hewitt out in front of him just knocking two, three guys over. He's young and he's a beast and we got lucky to get him using undrafted free agent.
3: Uh, and one more player, give me uh, any number. Ninety. Okay, uh, tell me about uh, Greg Little.
5: Greg Little. Uh, well, he Greg Little was a uh, first round draft pick, I believe, by the Browns four years ago, five years ago. And mm-hmm. uh, last year we picked him up off waiver wires, or no, he just off free agency. And he was just he's just a fringe roster player. He'll be you he might be our sixth wide receiver. Um, he came into camp this year with, uh, we came in last year when he, he was like, I'm, I was a first-round pick, I'm just going to be a wide receiver, and this year he came in with the attitude, I'll do anything to make this team. So he's actually looked pretty good, uh, playing some special teams, which is cool to see, uh, but I don't see him making much of a difference for us.
2: Boy, Akiva, Zach went th- for three for three and didn't even break a sweat.
3: Yeah, I almost feel like, yeah. I'm trying to, I'm a, I should actually look through the roster right now. And try and find somebody who we well, really won't he know. He
2: the numbers he picked. <laughs> he
5: can't, he nice. can't uh, stack the deck.
3: John, right. who's John Peters? Zach.
5: John Peters. Yeah, I didn't know we had a John Peters. He got me there. Yeah,
3: he's, he's, there he's, go. he's he's probably not on the team anymore after cuts um. today. But he's six foot eight, in tight end, big tight end.
2: All right, so let's uh, let's jump to the defense now. Uh, Akiva was mentioning how you got a lot of big names on the defense, and you've had a top-10 defense for basically you know the whole Dalton era. But last year they really took a step back, and I think the real issue was the front seven. They struggled with vers- versus the run, and I mean really, really, really failed to get pressure on the quarterback. I think you guys had just 20 sacks overall as a team, which in today's pass-happy NFL, with so many dropbacks, is really inexcusable. Um, you know, a D-tackle, Geno Atkins, who came back from the injury that he had in 2013, really wasn't himself. And D'Amato Pico was was also really bad. They had lost Michael Johnson to to Tampa Bay, and you know he was good for the Bengals. He was terrible in Tampa Bay, and now he's back in Cincinnati. But you know, talk to us a little bit about that defensive line, and if, if there's going to be some improvement there this year.
5: Um, no, that's it was exactly our problem last year. We couldn't stop the run up the middle, and we couldn't get any pass rush. Uh, but but Geno Atkins is finally starting to look like himself again during uh, during this preseason. A lot of it stemmed from Geno was getting double teamed every time, and then uh, Dunlap and Michael had free reigns at quarterbacks but now last year they could put one guy on him and double team Dunlap and then there was nobody else to go after quarterback. Wallace so, Gilberry is a great backup. He's a great number three guy in the end uh, Michael being back is huge uh, he's a great run stopper and he can get after the quarterback well and I think Dunlap might be our best defensive lineman besides uh, Gino. and Peco is a problem in my opinion. I think he's what's holding us back uh but you can't deny his leadership and what he brings to the team. He's really he's really what runs that locker room on the defensive side. Uh he's a, uh Andrew Whitworth of the defense. Just this great guy. No one messes around because they don't want to mess with Pecco. Uh so he's just kinda there for his attitude and for his leadership. But he, he is lacking the ability that he used to have and he's being pushed back on every play. Doesn't offer any sort of help in the pass rush game. So he's what's he's what's hindering us at the moment. But hopefully with uh Dunlap and Michael back, and hopefully Michael gets healthy again. And Gino being him old self, that will get that pass rush and that top defense again.
2: And then at linebacker, I keep mentioned Vontez Burfect, who's you know clearly the best linebacker, and he's had a lot of injury concerns. Is he ready to go to start the season, or what's his situation?
5: Honestly, you get it, so many mixed reports. I heard a report that he's done for the year. Then next thing you know, he's coming back in a week. So it's looking like he should be back for opening day now. So that's what we're all hoping for is that he's back for opening day but he could also be pup he could be put on the pup list and be out a couple more weeks the quarterback of our defense so we're really he that's how important he is to our defense he's the one who calls the plays uh 2 years ago the whole uh when we beat New England uh that was like a huge win for Cincinnati uh beating New England and there's a story that goes on that last play we there was a timeout before it it was like a fourth and 3 or fourth and 4 they had the ball on the 20 yard line they needed to get it to continue and Vontez goes up to uh Zimmer and says I you know, I, I've been watching tape, and this is what, I've, this is what I'm seeing from them. They're going to do a screen pass, and he put Michael in the right spot. It was, like, his play call. He put Michael in the right spot to shut it down. So it's not just that of his ability, but it's actually his football mind that we're really missing out there.
3: Yeah, I mean, the secondary uh, is interesting because individually there's a lot of parts that you would like, right? Nelson and Leon Hall, Draker Patrick, uh, Georgia Loca who I think had the funny backpacks on Hard Knocks last year. mm mm-hmm. um, and all those guys individually, not one of them is a bad player. You know, they're all probably above average. But for some reason, when you guys play good teams, and I guess you could say this about most teams, um, you, you know, you seem to get exposed against the Bradys and the Roethlisbergers.
5: We actually tend to do really well against the Bradys and the Roethlisbergers. Maybe not Roethlisbergers, because you've seen us so much. But if you look at us against Brady and Rodgers and all the other elites and Peyton last year, we, we, we looked pretty good against them. We kind of get exposed by the, the no-names or the, the Brian Hoyers of the world uh it's really weird how that works out uh we are we're getting we're getting old at cornerback so we're like we lost uh terrence now leon's taking a huge step back so we really gotta see what dre's got uh de has been hurt so hopefully when he gets healthy he can uh he can show us something and then adam jones will be a solid starter as well reggie's getting old but i think he's got one or two more years left in him and george i think is an up-and-coming star that he'll start becoming a household name. He's really good.
3: It is crazy that Pac-Man Jones is still floating around the league as a starter. Yeah,
5: I know. He just he even made a comment this year that he's, he's playing his best football. I think it's a credit to him that he sort
2: of you know, got his head screwed on straight. and A lot of these flash-in-the-pan guys, they have all this trouble. They float right out of the league, but he seems to have it back together, and he's been a productive player.
3: We'll be back after this on the Sports Reporters. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, Zach, let me ask you a question. Uh, you know, Cincinnati is an interesting town because you only have the Bengals and the Reds. And, and we've said in previous podcasts that the NFL is in such a unique, dominant position that in almost every single NFL city, they're, they're far and away the biggest team in that city. Is that true in Cincinnati? Are the Bengals bigger than the Reds for most fans?
5: I mean, nowadays they are, but that's only in the last couple years. Uh, Cincinnati's always been a baseball town baseball was founded in Cincinnati. Reds were the first professional team. So, we've always been a huge Cincinnati supporting team, and especially cuz they got good in the last couple of years. There it's been a great time to be a Cincinnati fan, but late this year the Reds are, you know, not doing too well, so we'll see how that goes. But it's pretty even, but I definitely say uh, the Bengals are number one at the moment, but it goes back and forth.
2: Personally, for you as a fan, you know, if you could see one team win a championship, because I assume you don't remember the 1990 uh, World Series title for the Reds.
5: I'd go with the Bengals. Wow. I think it's – I think growing up in the 90s, you just – how bad we were, and it was just, like, so far out, and you're like you, – you never thought it was possible, you know. My dad promised me when I was, like, five that I could go to the Super Bowl because he knew in the next 20 years that we weren't going <laughs> to make it. So yeah. it's still holding strong, Um but you guys
2: had a couple before you were born, but we didn't win. Yeah, John Candy screwed you.
5: hmm And then, uh, yeah, John Candy. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, don't, I, yeah. I blame him more than Joe Montana. Let's, you know, let's jump to the schedule now. You said that you think that they're a 10 to even 12 win uh, team, even with the Andy Dalton at quarterback. So, as we've gone through the other AFC teams, we've talked about the fact that it's really, really unusual in this day and age with the four team divisions in the NFL for a division to have three teams win double digit games. But um, it happened last year with AFC North, and, you know, again, it's very unlikely to happen again, but if it does, it basically puts that wild card on lockdown and, and, you know, prevents teams like Houston and Miami and and Kansas City and San Diego from having even a shot at the playoffs. So let's take a look at the schedule, and, you know, we're not asking you to predict the the Ravens and the Steelers. We'll have uh, folks from those teams do that, but we'll see what you see from Cincy this this season, and then we'll compare that to the other two and see sort of who the favorite is in the division. So uh, week one, you start on the road. You go to Oakland.
5: Yeah, I think uh, I think we'll win at Oakland. Uh, you know, you still got a young quarterback, um, a young team. I, I think that they're an up and coming team. Uh, I just don't think at the first game this season they're going to be quite there yet. Uh, we and I think we'll come out well, and I think we'll we'll win week one at Oakland.
2: All right, and then week two you come home, and it's one of those games against you know a team that could potentially have tiebreaker uh, ramifications for wild cards. That's San Diego.
5: Um. I think we'll end up winning, but we have always had trouble with Philip Rivers. Uh, but but I think that just I don't know how good the Chargers are going to be this year. Uh, I'm not too high on the Chargers. They don't have a lot of uh, offensive talent right now, um, and what they do have is a little young. Keenan Allen's coming off a pretty yet pretty uh, poor year. Uh, I think we're gonna. I think we'll we'll start two and zero.
2: All right, and, and then you uh, go on the road for the first of those brutal AFC North matchups. This one at Baltimore.
5: Yeah, this one I uh, I wish I could say I think we're gonna win this game, but uh, I I think even the most optimistic Bengals fan isn't counting this one as a win. So.
2: Yeah, and I'm going through the schedule. This is a really tough schedule. There's really not a lot of easy games here. Um, You know, week four you come home two and one facing Kansas City, who who, you know still that's that's a decent team.
5: That's a team with playoff aspirations. See, I think we're just a slightly better version of Kansas City, so I think we should beat them at home. Mm -hmm. Um, Hasn't like four people said that so far. Chester, like, we're Kansas, exactly like Kansas yeah, City. Well, Kansas,
2: Kansas City has a solid defense. They have sort of a non quarterback. They're like the
3: generic team.
2: Yeah, they are very generic. Because
3: yeah, Alex Smith comes up in every podcast. He's the like, most generic the ba-
2: quarterback in the world. He can't throw the ball right, down the, the field. but the bad
3: teams will all say, oh, man, if we just had Alex Smith, we'd be like a solid playoff team.
2: Well, who would you rather or have You guys have your only young version. Dalt- Dalt- would you rather have Andy Dahl or Alex Smith?
3: Yeah, Alex Smith.
2: Well, I'm, I'm asking the, the Bengals fan.
3: Uh, oh, well, he better say oh, Alex heart- Smith. I'm heart torn.
2: Um, Dalton's seen, highs uh, are so much higher, but his lows are so much lower.
3: No, yeah, Smith's Dal- highs are higher.
2: Dalton's made no, the set? Are
3: you did talking? you watch? Was Listen, boring. they both played the Colts. They both played the Colts in the playoffs in the last couple years. Akiva. Compare what they did. Akiva, that was one, one of them. Game. Couldn't get a first down. One threw like 14 yeah. touchdowns. That
2: was one. Yeah. that was one game. All right. Yeah,
5: he uh, could throw a touchdown to a wide receiver.
2: Yeah, Alex Smith. Ha- his arm is weaker than mine, okay? Akiva, again, I think his av- the, his average pass last year in the air when it was like 5.3 yards, which was two yards shorter than any other quarterback. As a team, they didn't complete a single pass of 35 yards last season. Alex Smith cannot throw the ball down the field, all right? He had that one fantastic playoff game. I'll give him that, which was still a loss. Not th- not his fault, of course. Um, you know, look, Andy Dalton's been so bad in the playoffs, it's, it's hard to t- pick Andy Dalton. But, all right, let's not have another fight over Alex Smith. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you're three and one, and now you have a really tough home game against Seattle.
5: Yeah, I think a lot of people chalk this as a, a loss. Um, but what do you say? I, I don't know. I was actually talking to a friend about this game uh, the other day. We really step up. You can't against look
3: ahead. Game. You can't look ahead, Zach. You gotta, you gotta focus on week one.
2: <laughs> but we're asking about week
3: five. <laughs> I know, but don't talk to your friends about this yeah,
5: game yet. Yeah, you gotta be, you gotta yeah. be worried about the Raiders. We're yeah, on to we're open. At-
2: we're actually playing talk we're about actually,
5: this game on october 5th yeah so we're gonna podcast once uh once before every game and then you can compile it at the end of the season well if the Bengals uh, are good there i hope so i think people might call me crazy but i still think we're gonna we're gonna beat seattle at home i All think right, that'll well, be our i think I think, they,
3: I think you're a bad matchup for them honestly
5: yeah i, I agree um Every year we always beat a team better than us and every year we lose to a team far worse than us. So this is the team I think we're going to beat that's far better than us.
2: Okay. So that's a big win. You're 4 and 1 and then you're on the road in the last game before the bye at Buffalo.
5: Yeah, and I think this could be a letdown.
2: Okay. So 4 and 2, but especially, you know, given that schedule, I think that's a that's a very solid start.
5: Yeah.
3: So after the bye, you guys go to Pittsburgh.
5: I think we're going to win at Pittsburgh this year. Uh, we usually play well in Pittsburgh. We usually play really poor against them at home, but we play well in Pittsburgh, which just uh, doesn't make much sense.
3: No, I mean, are you, the, you know, the, the triumvirate of, of ravens Bengals, steelers there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason as to why the
5: teams win the games they do, no? Not at all. It doesn't make any sense. You always win for the the, the strangest of reasons.
3: You the should really switch British one of those three teams.
2: To the AFC South?
3: Yeah, switch one to the south for the Titans until the Titans become decent again, I think. It's yeah. only fair.
2: Even the Browns. The Browns started 6-3 and three last year also.
3: Oh, yeah. The Browns would be better, better than the Titans and the Jaguars. Yes. Yes, they,
5: they have some talent.
3: Right, so, speaking of the Browns, so your next two games are at home um, on primetime games. Uh, so, short week, you host the Browns on uh, Thursday Night Football.
5: It's going to be a fun game, and I think that we'll win. Um, hopefully, Johnny Manziel is their quarterback. We... We can handle Johnny Manziel pretty well, um, but no, I, I'm not worried about the Browns this year. They're, I I was worried about Hoyer. I, he just played really well against us, but I'm not worried about uh, any uh, any of the guys they got, like the counter, Manziel, whoever is going to end up being quarterback there. I mean, I hope it's not Manziel for their sake.
3: Zach, you're a segue machine because the next team they play is uh, they have a really long by you know break between Thursday the fifth and Monday the sixteenth. And on Monday football, they host Brian Hoyer and the Houston Texans.
5: I know. And, uh, that's what I'm nervous about because we usually play poor against, uh, them. And by then, uh, Arian Foster might be back or should be back. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's a pretty impressive running back. Uh, but I still think we'll beat them at home. We play well at home. I'm not, JJ Watt's amazing, but I don't know if he can put the team on his back again this season, at least past us.
3: And so then you guys just go to Arizona, short week. West Coast trip.
5: Yeah, this is an interesting game cuz uh barring Carson doesn't tear his ACL again, we're going to be playing Carson Palmer for the first time or second time. Oh yeah. Yeah, we uh did pretty well against him. I think we we dislike him more than he dislikes us at this point. Yeah, I mean
3: you guys paid him 100 million
5: dollars. So he should be okay with you. <laughs> yeah, but he he like won it out. Like straight up refused to play. So, I think we're still bitter about it. A lot of the, some of the people still are on the team from the 09 season. Like Pecco still on the team, Whitworth still on the team, and Whitworth is really bothered by that. I think we're gonna beat Carson in Arizona.
2: So now you're 8-2 and two with a four game winning
5: streak, wow. The Red Hot Bengals.
2: The schedule's probably at the easiest point now the next couple of weeks.
5: Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything for the Bengals. Like I said earlier, you know, we can beat teams like Seattle, but lose to teams like Buffalo. Just like I think, uh, I don't know how well we're gonna do against, uh, against St. Louis. I think we're a much better team than St. Louis, so I still think we're going to beat them.
3: Wow, and then you guys like, go to Cleveland.
5: Just by the you know the fact that we're in division, I think we're going to lose at Cleveland. Uh, we, we're not going to beat them twice. I don't think so. We got destroyed by them last year. Um, nobody some,
3: sweeps Johnny Manziel.
5: <laughs> nobody, so yeah. That, so that
3: would bring you to 9-3 with your last four games, and obviously firmly in the AFC North you know, title you know, by race. Uh, and then you guys host uh, the Hated. Who, uh, who do you guys dislike more, the Steelers or the Ravens?
5: Uh, Steelers, probably.
3: Um, and, and the, I mean, the Browns are also in Ohio. the Browns third just because they're so bad, or do you hate the Browns more?
5: No, probably, uh, probably third, or maybe even second. Uh, probably third just because of how bad they've been lately, and it's been a lot of like going against Pittsburgh and a lot of going against Baltimore and big, big games against them.
3: Yeah, but I mean to be fair, Pittsburgh and Baltimore both you know c- hate each other far more than they care about you guys.
5: Yeah, we're we're more of a second thought, definitely more of a second thought. But it kind of helps us because they kind of look past us sometimes when they play the other team the week after us. So you guys host Pittsburgh, and I think we'll think? lose. I think we'll lose to Pittsburgh here. Okay, so that that would take you to nine and four,
3: and then I think that Sunday night game has literally a zero percent chance of staying there. Right, that's not going to be at night when you, by the time we get to December twentieth. Because the Niners are going to be like 3-11 and 11, or 5-9 yep. and nine if they're lucky.
5: Yeah, we'll get flexed and out.
3: That's going to be flexed out. That's already should have been flexed. I don't know what they're doing putting that there.
5: Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't maybe know
3: they, they, they promised the Brown family like a Sunday night game and they just tricked them and put them at the end.
5: Yeah, I don't know. Or they just didn't know that Jim wasn't going to be coach anymore or something like that. They made the that's, schedule. Yeah, I, I think they I forget when, they made, when he yeah. stopped.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think he was already not coached. So anyway, is that a win in San Francisco?
5: Yeah, I just don't think they're very good this year.
3: So that brings you guys to 10-4, and 4, and then you guys go to Denver in the last Monday Night Football game of the year.
5: What do you, I mean, what do you think of Denver? I don't think that Denver's going to be that amazing this year. I think Peyton... Well, it's,
3: like... the, it's, the, it's December 28th, so obviously the main question is, is Peyton playing, and if so, is he 95% or, you know, or is on, he Peyton what he was last?
2: Peyton's had one season in his career when he's ever missed a single game, so we can't assume he's going to not be playing. Like, that's no, no, crazy no. That's, talk. that's not that's But
3: he not, shouldn't have
5: been playing last year, right? Why not? Did you watch really the Finnish game? Did he you watch the really next game against us last year? No, yeah, you guys did beat them last year. Yeah, but it's, it, it's, it's hard to. I mean, he's amazing, and you can see watching him play. He's like lobbing the ball, and it's like wobbling to his receivers, and they're still getting there sometimes. Like, he knows when a guy's going to be open way before he does, but he just can't get the ball there anymore. It was. Really, by the end of the season his arm just doesn't have it and there's some report that he can't feel his fingers anymore or something like that yeah, but
2: he said he hasn't felt his fingers since the surgery and all he did in the interim was have the greatest season in the history of the nfl with 5500 yards and 55 touchdowns so i, I don't yeah. think the fingers is the issue with him
5: i know it's just like it's taking a toll i yeah. just by the end of the season he just doesn't have it anymore so you saying
2: you're going to denver and you're going to pick up a win
5: yeah but i i, I don't think it's gonna be as impressive as win as it sounds right now all right well i mean yeah i mean, if if
3: he's not there, then then uh, no, like, I could know, be playing. Be
5: I think I think he's going to play. He's just not going to be the same Peyton Manning that we all remember. Boy, so then that last be, week, I'll
2: be laughing to the bank as you all keep trashing Peyton Manning as he uh, you know leads the team to thirteen and, and three again this year.
3: We have to make a few bets in the last podcast, Chester. Okay.
2: Yeah, sure. Let's
3: line them up. All right. So
5: that last so, game could be huge. The, right? the,
3: so the last week of the year. And, yeah, this could be a Sunday night
5: game. Last year, was, uh, we were at Baltimore. We finished the season the same exact way, Monday night against Denver, and then we had the 1 o'clock game that got flexed to the Sunday night uh, against them last year. So it's kind of interesting how we end the season the same exact way. Do I think we're going to win? I think we will beat them here. We wow. lost to them. I what, think we... 12-4. I told you. I mean...
2: Yeah, the, be- guys- the last time the Bengals went 12-4, and four, they went to the Super Bowl.
5: Yeah, well, I told
3: you, we have we potential... <laughs> If you guys go 12-4 and four and then lose in the playoffs
2: in the first <laughs> round,
5: I'm, I'm firing Marvin Lewis myself. Please do. Please hey, do. So 12-4, so,
2: so, and and so you assume they're winning the division then, right?
5: Uh, I'm assuming so at 12-4. All
2: right, and that four. means, you know, do you think you're going to win a playoff game this year, or do you think you lose at home again to, to the Houstons of the world, or, or or maybe even a divisional opponent?
5: Well, what part of the history is to show me otherwise that we're going to lose in the first round? I think if we have a bye, I think it's just that first round. Maybe if we have a bye... When we get past that first round'll we'll be, we'll be good to go
3: maybe nobody a- beats Andy Dalton in the uh, second week in January
2: well Andy Dalton's never lost outside the first round of the playoffs so <laughs> all right so Zach's okay. pretty confident though he sees the Bengals you know taking even a step up from from the solid you know last four years under Dalton a uh, healthy AJ Green and company vaults him up to 12 and four winning the division over the hated Ravens and Steelers and, and Browns. And you know if they can if they can get a bye, then uh, maybe getting out of the first round of the playoffs the first time in uh, in your lifetime right
5: Yeah I've never seen a playoff. Zach one. I got
3: I got one more question Zach Yeah J- Jeremy Jeremy Hill do yes. You think it's safe Is he a safe second round pick this year in fantasy
5: I think easy easy He's he's a, he if you go back and watch all of our games again he was our best player He but, but, was But didn't they say that about Gio Bernard the year before and then he uh, lost it. Yeah I love that, Gio Bernard Yeah but the, I, honestly, I don't, I wouldn't, I, in my fantasy leagues I've been staying away from Gio Bernard. Uh, we're struggling to find that niche for him on the team. Uh, Jeremy's gonna be getting a lot more of the carries. Like we're even putting Gio back at punt returner. We're just trying to get him in the game. Uh, there's no reason we shouldn't be giving Jeremy the ball most of the game. He's a workhorse and he's just, he's just dominant at the end of this, you know, he wears teams down. Uh, Gio's more of the open space guy, but he likes running up the middle, so it doesn't kind of work well for him. So we're a little low on Geo right now. I still think he's really talented, but we're kind of low on him right now, but Jeremy's the real deal.
3: You notice he's, Zach's on a first name basis with a lot of the guys on the team.
5: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. All,
2: right. All right, so Zach, thanks for joining us. You're on Twitter at, uh, ZSOSNA, at Z-S-O-S-N-A, right? Yep. All right, we'll be looking for, uh, you know, to see some, uh, Bengals tweets this season, and, uh... Good luck this year in your uh, quest to uh, win another division crown.
5: Thank you, thank you. Okay, thanks. Have a good one. The one thing I'm surprised you didn't mention was the whole AJ McCarron uh, controversy. Wait, I don't know about this controversy.
3: What which controversy? Remind us.
5: Oh, because you know I was going to bring it up during the whole. Uh, well, he's he played so well last night, and the whole city like, been like all off season. We should start AJ McCarron, and now he played so well last night. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, a lot of people in town Preseason
2: football is a huge issue for each team specifically, and nobody in the rest of the league cares. Like, I have so many opinions about the Vikings preseason games, and you guys won't even know who I'm talking about. Like, it's sort of an interesting issue. Like, it shows how dominant the NFL is, that in each city, they talk about that more than, like, the baseball team more than
5: anything. But, uh, so McCarron is good? McCarron played so unbelievably well. They So, Andy got hurt at the end of the first... and then the first quarter, like a Nick, nothing wrong. He Wait, said should we
3: tape it, this? Should we tape this, Chester? Or you? Well, the you, problem, or is, you got... the
5: problem is we have our next.
2: We have our Ravens interview scheduled for right now. Okay,
3: fine. So, okay, unfortunately, uh, this is good. Yeah. we'll talk. You know, will 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 we'll say that you gave a shout out to McCann. We'll mention in the wrap up.
5: Uh, I don't know if I. I don't know if he's going to be great, but he basically. Long story short, Dalton got hurt. No, no lingering anything. He'll be fine. He came in and led us on an eighty-something yard drive. Was throwing the ball downfield something Andy hasn't done in like yeah, two years. your team
3: is really good, so anybody's going to come in and play. Like Dalton might suck.
5: Yeah, Dalton might suck. That's basically either a. you don't, don't know or Dalton might really suck. So that's just it's like something. a lot
3: of times with the receivers, like these guys play with like Manning or Rogers, and you don't know if they're good or bad till they leave. Like Greg yeah. Jennings, what did he do after after he left Rodgers? No, I agree. I mean, Dalton might be okay, but I think we got to go to the next guy, though. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Really do. all right. Well, all right, good job, Zach. You. Thank you.
2: All right, Akiva. so we've had an uh, optimistic Steelers fan. We've had an optimistic Bengals fan. But, of course, uh, we've saved, in our opinion, the best for last in this division with the Baltimore Ravens.
3: Yeah, they're all the same. Let's be fair. These three teams are basically could toss a coin.
2: Well, you know, before I had done any preparation this season, that was sort of what I thought. And I think I had the Ravens lower than you, but you have the Ravens sixth overall, so you don't seem to feel that way. You have, you know, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh below that. And then I, having done more analysis, I've become more and more convinced that the Ravens are the class of this division. So I'm surprised you think it's sort of a toss up now.
3: Well, I think first of all all three teams are really good. It's not like an insult. Like the yeah. Bengals are loaded, but the Ravens have the reason I have the Ravens at 6 and the Bengals not as high as the Ravens coach, you know, runs circles around mm-hmm. the Bengals coach.
2: Yeah, I mean to me the Steelers and Bengals are are, uh, you know, teams that are on the cusp of the playoffs and the Ravens are like a contender. And we'll get to this with our guests in a second, yeah. but I just need to say, get off my chest, I hate the Ravens. And actually, I sort of hated the Ravens. I don't hate them as much now, but the reason I hated them is because from the moment they, they entered the league, the Vikings were the only purple team in the NFL. The Vikings owned the color purple. And the Vikings were, you know, just a great NFL franchise. They made the playoffs every single year. They always lost catastrophically, but they always made the playoffs. And right around the time that the Ravens entered the league, and I know that they actually started in 96 when the Browns came, but when they became relevant, you know, at the turn of, of the of the century is sort of when the Vikings went into their only law that they've had when I've been a fan, which was in the last decade. And the Ravens all of a sudden stepped up. The Ravens, you know, with, with no history of any kind, went to the Super Bowl and immediately won. And of course, who did they beat in the Super Bowl? They beat the Giants, who had just beaten us the previous week, 41 nothing in that abomination of a football game. And so I just... Oh, you know, you know, they,
3: they, I, yeah, but that really prevented an old purple Super Bowl, according to your uh, logic. Well, I wanted the whole purple Super Bowl because I thought we would have won. But
2: um, yeah, but then, you know, but then the Vikings. I think went I, 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 wait, wait,
3: wait, slow down. You would not have won that game in hindsight. I mean, look, they well, beat you 41 nothing, and then they, then they were up 31-34-0 uh, yeah. in the second half of the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, but that that forty one nothing. I don't know if you remember this. The Vikings were favored on the road in New York, which never happens in, in a right. title. Right, you guys, game. you a, guys lost that game by forty one,
3: just FYI. The, yeah, the,
2: yeah, but the Vikings were eleven and two that year, uh-huh. and then they lost the last three games of the regular season because Culpepper was injured. And by the way, now you've turned it into a Vikings podcast, but uh, they were eleven and two. Culpepper missed the last three games. They lost all three, which is how they dropped. So
3: was Culpepper still hurt in the playoffs?
2: Well, no, he came back. Oh, so you're saying the they
3: were just bad? They weren't as good as the Giants. They
2: they went into that game as favorites on the road in New right. York. Everybody expected them to win. And if you remember what happened, is the Giants went down the field, scored a touchdown. All right, seven nothing. Kickoff, fumble. Giants get the ball back, score another touchdown. On like the next play, fourteen nothing. Vikings get the ball finally on offense, and again, this was the dynamic offense with Randy Moss and Dante Culpepper and and you know Robert Smith and and and, and Chris Carter, et cetera, et cetera. They march right down the field. Throw it into the end zone. It's about to be 14-7. And you know, this game is going to have a totally different color. And Chris Carter has the ball in the end zone. It was ripped out of his hands by I forget who in the Giants secondary. It was a fall for an guy. interception. For an interception. Yeah, it was Chris Carter's fall guy. Giants went down the field, scored another touchdown. And then the game was over. Okay. At that point, you knew the game was over. But uh yeah, you know, the, the Vikings, you know, in hindsight, yes, the Giants, the Giants were a bad team. Of course they got killed. The same way that the Broncos got killed in the ninety-eight Super Bowl when they beat the Vikings in the NFC title game, because the Broncos, because the Falcons were a bad team that Got lucky and beat the Vikings, but yeah, you guys kind of moved podcast. the
3: ball on, on the Ravens in that.
2: Yeah, but but anyways, let's bring it back home because uh, so yeah, so then you had the Ravens, who you know I think a lot of people hated in in the last decade because you know people saw Ray Lewis and a lot of their guys as 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 you know unsavory characters, let's say. And um, but I've actually started to like the Ravens more because. Pittsburgh fans are so annoying, and the Bengals are just bad. And so I think the Ravens are actually, you know, the the, the best team in this division, and the team that I respect most in this division. But um, let's bring in our, our guest for the uh, for the Ravens, Michael Potash. Michael, how are you today?
1: Uh, good evening, fellas. <laughs> yeah, so, so that you heard? Uh, yeah, that was a lot to handle <laughs> for a preview. I didn't think Her- I was going to make it in.
3: <laughs> well, we we'll only have I thirty seconds. Just just yeah. sum up what you think the Ravens are going to do this <laughs> season. To be
1: fair, I didn't mean to go on a rant there, Kiva.
2: You set me off. Mm. Uh, you p- said you didn't want to see it. Can school? you,
3: can you just have my back here that, uh, the Vikings would have been annihilated in that Super Bowl uh, <laughs> when they lost 41, nothing to a team that got destroyed by the Ravens.
1: Well, thanks guys for the history lesson. Um, <laughs> first of all, first of all, you got, you started off a, a Ravens podcast by bashing Marvin Lewis, who's a Baltimore hero, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, you know, so sure. You'll, you might like John Harbaugh better than, than Marvin Lewis, but Marvin Lewis has been around the league for a long time. he's, He's done some really good work in uh, in Cincinnati. You know, Most I of it again. in like
3: November and December.
1: I mean, not, not so much in January. That's right. Look, you know, as a as a head coach, it's not easy to win. I you know I I think people get all down on Dalton uh, for not winning in the in the playoffs, but it's it's not easy to win in the playoffs. Different. It's really a different game than the rest of the season, and they he, they've been getting he's been getting them to the playoffs. Uh, well, Michael, I, let, I think people me, overlook that.
2: Let me say one of the other reasons that I've I've liked Baltimore more. Is, you know, I, I'm one of these guys who always hates when these expansion franchises show up out of nowhere, like the Diamondbacks in the World Series in 2001, where the, where the stadium is literally instructing them, like, how to cheer for a baseball team. And I, and so I sort of saw the Ravens as one of those same teams. They had these ugly uniforms. They had, you know, they were sort of nouveau riche football fans, and I didn't really trust them. And then when ESPN had that 30 for 30 a few years ago about the Colts, uh, the old Baltimore Colts band, it really highlighted the fact that Baltimore was a great football town for decades. Their team was stolen from them under really unfair circumstances. And when the Ravens came back, they sort of re embraced that team. And even though they had a different name, it was sort of like Minnesota in hockey with the Wild and the North Stars. That's what sort of made me appreciate them also that, you know, you guys are real football fans. The fact that you didn't have a team for a dozen years isn't your fault.
1: I mean, Baltimore is a huge football town. I mean, I grew up, uh, you know, hearing the stories of our fathers about the Colts and the, the great teams and Johnny Unitas. Um, I mean, my dad, especially, you know, they, they will not forgive and forget. They will, you know, they are, you know, they love the Ravens, but they hate the Colts more. It's really amazing. Um, and Baltimore is really, it's, it's, once the Ravens finally showed up, it was, it was really a process to embrace them and let that old history go. And, and they just, they never have, especially the old guard.
2: It's, it's, funny you said, yeah, it's funny you said they hate the Colts so much because Raven Steelers is seen as one of the best rivalries in, in the NFL. But would you say that for the older crowd, the Colts are still more hated than the
1: Steelers? You know, it's, what's more important to us than tradition and ancestry, right? I mean, when we talk about what's important to us, we talk about the stories we tell ourselves of our, of our forebears. And for the generation, not my generation, my father's generation in Baltimore, like that's the Colts. That's their history. That's their ancestry. It's it's uh, it's hard. It's not easy to let go of that. You know, think of the Giants fans and the Jets fans. You know, and then imagine suddenly one of those teams left, and and that was just—it's like a rug being pulled out from under you.
3: Right. Well, it happened in New York when, in baseball with the Giants and the Dodgers. My, Dodgers. My my grandfather, grandfather is um uh, is uh, eighty seven, and he hasn't is he listening.
2: Is he listening? Again? He
3: is most assuredly not listening. But he, he's <laughs> but he's a big football fan. He's eighty seven and yeah. he uh has not had a baseball team to root for since uh, 1950 or 51 or whenever the dodgers moved.
1: I mean, what does he say about that?
3: Uh it, it, I guess it's just like he ha- you know, he's like uh he's a, you know, a baseball agnostic. He doesn't have uh you know, he's, he likes baseball, but I'm saying he doesn't have a team. It's, you know, he he, does, he he didn't you know, he didn't move over there with the Giants. You know, he's not a Mets fan, although he tolerates right. them cuz I like them, so
1: but I mean, how does he talk about the team? And what does he say? Does he ever talk? Well, oh, about
3: it's it? I, I. asked him when I was a little kid. I said, like, uh, I said, yeah, I said, were you a Dodgers fan or a Giants fan? And it was like the angriest he's ever gotten. He's yeah, like, Akiva, that's
1: what I'm talking about, Akiva. You know? I mean,
3: I'm, I'm not nearly dumb enough to be a Dodgers fan.
1: <laughs> you know, people don't forget these things. You know, and and the way that the Colts left Baltimore uh, was really nefarious. Um, you know, everybody everybody has that picture in their minds of the Mayflower bus you know, vans pulling out of Baltimore on that cold winter day. Um, I mean, these are these are like, you know, it was a shocked city for a long time.
3: Yeah, so let's talk about the modern uh, Baltimore Ravens.
1: <laughs> hey, because you guys started with the 2000 <laughs> Baltimore Ravens.
3: I know. We went backwards in time. Now we got to fast forward a little bit. I think, um, you know, I was taking a deep dive into the roster. I have to say... Uh, you know, and we like to start with the offense. I, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, sell me on this offense. Like, I know you have a couple really good offensive linemen. You know, starting with Marshall Yanda, Eugene Monroe. Yeah. But I, to me, like, you know, we've now gone through almost every team and skill position wise. I, can, unless Brashad Perryman is, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. Jr. I like. I yeah. this is this is one of the least impressive, you know, skill position sets I've seen in the whole league. Maybe the least, you know, impressive so far
1: you know i don't I don't think I can sell you on um, position players except that i don't I'm not one of those people that believes that position players make an offense. I mean, especially in football as football's a team sport. and when you have guys on the field that can that can play well together, I mean, okay, when you talk about offenses, right what's the most important part of the offense? What makes an offense? It's Left the offense of oh, okay. Oh, not the quarterback. <laughs> uh, well. Look, even Brady, if he's playing behind a porous line, is going to get hit. I mean, I, I think that's – I thought that was common wisdom. Um,
3: I guess. I mean, I, I, they go hand in hand. hand. Like if you have the worst offensive I mean, line, why it doesn't does it matter who quarterback is.
1: Why does a running back – he has like a record year. What does he do? The first thing he does, he buys like a Rolex for every guy on the offensive line.
3: So they could beat him up
1: these guys know they know that they're only as good as the line they're running behind
2: do you think that an offensive lineman has ever beat up his running back because he didn't get a nice enough gift no maybe Uh-oh. well <laughs> that, that on the Jets, I mean, that the might Jets happen yeah, right, yeah.
1: <laughs> if you if he goes to the pro bowl i mean i you know i i'd be like bro where's my rolex
3: yeah so what do you think so speaking of like running backs on offensive line so i, I mean justin Forsett is 30 this is like a league that really recycles running backs very quickly yeah and, you know, Forsett is, he doesn't have a ton of miles on him for a guy who's that age because he hasn't been the starter until basically right now. But, uh, yeah. is, you know, is this, is, is what he did last year repeatable? Like, do you see him as like the bell cow for the Ravens? I,
1: again, I think it's a scheme thing, you know, Forsett thrives in the scheme, especially in the right. Right, but I couldn't scheme. do
3: it, you know, so like at a certain point, like, no, these running backs, like did, their legs are shot at a certain. No, but they
1: brought in Forsett because they installed Kubiak's scheme and Forsett was someone who always thrived in Kubiak's scheme. And I know Trustman's there now, but. You know, he, what I've heard, and I don't know how, how true this will be, but what I've heard is that Tresman's really tried not to change that too much. So if you're asking me, like, will Forsett thrive under the same scheme that he's been thriving in, probably unless he gets injured.
2: Mm. All right. So l- let me actually, uh, you know, dr- drink at the at the well of Justin Forsett here, or I should say, I should, yeah, let me make an offering at the altar of Justin Forsett. And I-, I do have a bias here because he was on my fantasy team last year and he was my number one keeper this year. But there's a reason for that. Uh, of all active, who is the leading rusher yards per attempt? I'll save you time. It's Jamal Charles at 5.5. <laughs> but there's only one other running back in the NFL who's averaged five yards a carry since 2009. And it's not Adrian Peterson. It's not, you know, LaShawn McCoy or whoever else. Trent Richardson. It's Yeah. It's not Trent Trent Richardson. In fact, I can tell you because you mentioned him, who is dead last among the 51 running backs with at least 500 attempts since 2009, it's Trent Richardson at 3.3. And no one else is bad, even at 3.7. So he's really bad. But it's Justin Forsett. And my point is, Justin Forsett never got a chance to be the bell cow until last year at 29. But everywhere he went in limited time, he was really, really good. And he, um, you know, Jacksonville, for example, had him the year before. Let him go to Baltimore. They obviously screwed up. The, the Ravens didn't even realize what they had. They turned to Bernard Pierce when, uh, you know, yeah. in Ray Rice's absence last year, first. But he was really good. And now he's Tressman has come, and Tressman's a guy who Matt Forte caught a hundred balls last year, and Forsett's also a good receiver, uh, receiver out of the backfield. So I think that they're really going to use Forsett in a lot of interesting ways, and and I'm very high on him this season.
1: Look, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you what I, what I said. You know, I really, I'm a big believer in the running backs as good as the offensive line creating holes for him. I mean, sure, a guy like Jamal Charles is a special guy, so he can probably do more than someone else with the same offensive line. But I think that if you have a scheme in place, if that scheme is working, you know, whoever the guy back there is, is going to do well. Uh, I mean, that's, that's how I feel. I mean, Forsett is a fine runner, you know, but I think that their strength is really in the offensive line.
3: What what have you seen from Perryman so far? The rookie wide receiver. Well, from
1: what I from what I know, and just from reading uh, it, he's been injured. He really hasn't played much. I know there was issues, there was concerns over him uh, dropping a lot of passes, and really it was important for him to get a lot of reps in the preseason because, as we know, you know these guys uh, really do well once they've had a full pre, you know, full offseason. He didn't have that. He's not really had a preseason. I don't think he's going to play much of a role in the offense if, unless he comes back. And then, obviously, won't start having a big role until he's got a lot of reps.
3: So, who who else is behind Smith? That you is there anybody you like? You know, I think I
1: think there's a guy, Campanaro. Do you guys know Campanaro? He's he's sort of a Julian Edelman type, I think, like a Mm -hmm. small slot. You're saying he's white.
3: You're saying he's white. Okay,
1: I'm saying he's a white receiver. Um, (laughs) And well, he's he's got great hands. He's made some fine catches. I think this is a guy. He's not going to blow you away, but I think he's going to be. He, he's going to turn out to be the, the safety valve for Flacco. I mean, especially with Owen Daniels gone, Pitt is not going to be there. Their new tight end, Max Williams, is going to also. He's a, he's a rookie. He's going to need more reps. I think you're going to see this guy Campanaro actually doing really well in the offense.
3: Mm-hmm. Through the roster. Again. Okay, so here's what we're going to do, Potash. Here's, pick. You're going to pick. He, a, he's listened to every episode. Oh, yeah, I know I you've don't listened don't
1: to every it. episode. Seventy-seven.
3: Okay, seventy-seven. Tell me what you know about Kendrick Lewis. So Kendrick Lewis is the new safety. Uh came over from Houston, I believe.
1: Mhm. could be wrong about that. And he's a safety. I think he's had moderate success. They're, you know, I think they're just bringing him in to add some depth to the position. Um <laughs> It's really bad as far as I know. He has he hasn't played a snap with the Ravens.
3: All right, one more. Give me one more number. Uh, 42. All right, 42. 42. Uh, oh, Elvis, Elvis Doomerville. Elvis, tell me what you know about Elvis Doomerville. All right, Dumerville, Doom, you know.
1: Um, Dumervil led the team in, in sacks last year. He sort of... He sort it is of amazing he's on
3: your team because of a clerical error, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, but
1: you know what? That's sort of... Uh, I mean, that's the Ravens, right? They're there. They, they grab the player at the right time. You mean they have good, for the like, right good deal.
3: secretaries, you're saying?
1: Is Ozzie Newsom the best general manager in the NFL? I don't know if he's the best, but he's one of the best. Teams are... They're trying to figure out Like, what's the best way to build NFL teams, right? That's, like, the golden question. And people are doing crazy, they do crazy things. They send scouts everywhere. Why are people not just, when? When is the league going to figure out what the successful teams do, Mm -hmm. right? They don't, you know, spend big in free agency. They build through the draft. They stockpile draft picks. I mean, this isn't rocket science. Like, the Ravens and Patriots have been doing this for years and years. And they've been really good at it. When are people going to figure out that you know that that's the yeah, way but you to guys do it? I mean
3: but ultimately it you guys have quarterbacks, like the Jets could do that all I mean, day, but if they don't have a quarterback they're still going to go six and ten or whatever
1: uh, I don't know what to tell you about that
3: is, I, mean, is it, I mean Joe, you don't find Joe Flacco's like on the street, you know you guys happen to pick him you know not at the very top of the draft, but that's yeah, again that's Ozzy Newsom the, you know knowing what he's doing
1: but the Ravens went to the playoffs for what the first five years of Flacco's career mm-hmm. For four years. I mean, even yeah. when he was a rookie, they went to the playoffs. The second year, they went to the playoffs. Not because of Flacco. I mean, <laughs> the Ravens have been able to be to be very good for a long period of time, and it's not just because of Flacco. I mean, sure, they've had some really imp- you know impressive postseason success, and some of that has been because of Flacco. But that, the first two years of Flacco's career, you know, had they had um, a competent, a more competent quarterback, they would have they could have been in the Super Bowl those first two years of his career. He definitely was the hinder. Mm-hmm.
3: I, I mean, yeah,
2: no, I mean, I think I, th- I think you're right, and that was something we talked about in our quarterbacks podcast. Flacco was seen sort of as an Eli Manning or even an early Ben Roethlisberger kind of guy, who, or you know, even almost Andy Dalton. He was he was the quarterback for a team that was good enough around him that he won every year. But how much credit does he yeah. get? And then, of course, when that Super Bowl run a couple of years ago, he had possibly the greatest yeah. postseason performance of a quarterback ever. And, and now last year, know, you know, last know. year was the greatest season that the Ravens have ever had offensively. They had yeah. 400 points for the first time ever. And, and Flacco really took a step up. And, and, and now, of course, you had Mark Tressman who's a bad head coach, but he's, he's a great quarterback coach. Yeah. So
1: well, let me ask now, you now, now I
2: think Flacco is legitimately you know, a star. Well let me ask you a question. elite in the words of PFT commentator. So
1: what do you think? So I don't want to know if you guys think Flacco is elite. What do you think of that question? <laughs> is he elite? What, what does that question even mean? You know, is well that's Flacco just a troll elite?
2: question. That's just a troll question, though.
3: I think, At this point, I, think anyway. assert, I think there's a level of QB that can be expected to be in the playoffs almost every season where things don't go horribly wrong and to contend for a Super Bowl. Um, and so it goes beyond, you know, the Brady, Manning, Rodgers tier to the second tier, because we you know we've seen Eli win twice. Right. Roethlisberger win twice and Flacco win once, and nobody would have those in that top, you know, those guys in the top tier. So to me, it just means like, you know, can you win the Super Bowl with this guy playing well? Not the Trent deal for Brad Johnson level, but you know, or Mark Sanchez yeah. taking the team to the FFC Championship game. That's what it, I guess that's what it means to me.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, gonna I disagree. My, I'm going to be in my in my wheelchair, you know, at the age of eighty. I'm going to still hear people asking if you know, Flacco's going to be dead and gone. They're still going to be asking if he's elite. I mean, this is the question. I just don't think there's an answer to. It's kind of a.
2: Well, but again, I think I think the initial question initially was dumb because again, there's people who say, oh, if you win a Super Bowl, you're elite. And so guys like Eli and Flacco are elite when they clearly weren't. To me, elite means not that you can win a Super Bowl with this guy. You will win a Super Bowl because of this guy. Elite means are you Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees? Well, they did win because of Flacco. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And Flacco was never elite, and then he was for four games. But not last year, he really was all season. And I think this year, he's going to take even another step forward. I think you know, again, it's become sort of a meme on the internet with PFT commentator, and it's a joke, and you know, it even gets into the background of Republican presidential camba- uh, campaign campaign <laughs> debates now. But I think the joke is going to go away because he actually is elite now, and so it's it's not going to be funny. Like you know, if you said that about Tom Brady in 2001 or 2002 or 2003. When they were winning Super Bowls, and he wasn't doing much, it might have been kind of funny. But if he said it now, it'd be dumb because, of course, he's elite. He's you know one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the league. And so, I think that you know, look, I, I'm big on on Flacco. I think that two or three years, where did from we now,
3: rank Flacco? Fl- we did a quarterback rankings podcast. Where did we rank Flacco?
1: You know, I actually don't um, um, think Flacco is elite. Oh boy, uh, <laughs> but so like, who do
3: you go Flacco or
2: Raffles?
1: So Flacco? I'll tell you. Well, my my definition of elite would be more about consistency. Uh, hmm. Flacco has not been consistent through his career. He's not someone that I would say like well because we have Flacco we'll be in the playoffs every year. Whereas you could say that about Tom Brady. Uh, you probably could say that about Aaron Rodgers. I'm not sure if he's missed the playoffs once or twice. Probably just probably because of his team.
2: Yeah, but I'm um, saying, but you couldn't say that about Flacco in the past. But I'm saying I think going forward you can, or you still don't think so.
1: I mean, uh, well, we'll see, right? Last Especially last year, could, talking last about year performance.
2: Yeah, last year the Um, offense was better than the defense for, or at least you know as good as the offense again for the first time ever in Baltimore.
1: So I'm of the okay. So let's take I I, you know I've been really itching to talk about that last interception that Flacco threw in the playoffs. Now Flacco had a a fantastic game against the Patriots. I don't know if you guys remember that game, and he threw that interception at the very end. Now, imagine. So what? What was? Do you remember the the setup for this interception? Third down. It was third down, or it was either. It might have been even second down. Anyway. Plenty of time left on the clock. They must. They were definitely in the Patriots' territory, and they're moving the ball quite well. So what does he do? (laughs) He chucks up a a ball way into the end zone and gets picked off. Now, as far as I'm concerned, that that should have been a reason to fire your offensive coordinator. Imagine in a basketball game. Okay, you're down by one, and you bring the ball down. You have 30 seconds left in the clock. The other team's got the best player in the league. So instead of just coming down. Working down the clock, trying to get your you know high percentage shot, a layup, uh, some interior shot. You just have someone come down and just throw up a, a half court shot with twenty seconds still on the clock. Can you imagine? Yeah, it's called uh, it's called uh, the Lakers last year with uh, I mean that's swaggy that, P. That's insane. I mean, you know, honestly, Flacco, you could say like he should be fired. That's a boneheaded play. That's insane.
2: Okay, it's crazy to me how much higher I am on the Ravens than a Ravens fan. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Well, uh, well let me ask you a question, to, Potash. Do, do, to you, <laughs> oh, you know, forgetting about uh, QBs being elite, where would you rank uh, John Harbaugh as an NFL coach? He's definitely gotten a lot better. Um, we got a tough. <laughs> we got a tough critic here.
1: Wow. <laughs> a, no, a lot better.
3: You guys are like the third best I mean, team I'm in the NFL not, every I season. Try. Yeah. You want to trade? Do you want to trade records, Podish? I, well, I think I, a lot of that. I, I would
2: murder my entire family for John Harbaugh as my coach.
1: <laughs> I, I, look, I, I really. If you want to, if you want to hear me praise someone, I'm going to praise Ozzie Newsome. I think that's, I think that's really the source of. Wait, but of I asked you success. if he's the best GM in football, and you're like, yeah, he's okay. Well, no, he doesn't, he's up he there, doesn't like ranking. Best things. one or two. I mean, he's he's definitely one of the better ones in the league. is um, very good. I mean, he doesn't, he still doesn't know how to use the challenge. He challenges like an idiot. He challenges when he shouldn't and doesn't when he should. But he certainly can lead men. That's, I guess, and I, I guess that's the most important thing. Although, what do you think of that I like, like weird did,
3: thing with the? Did you see the preseason clip where he was like mean to the reporter and stuff?
1: No, I didn't see that.
3: It just happened. Yeah, so I, like he has, he definitely has his brother's kind of jerk tendencies.
1: He's definitely the nicer of the Harbors, right? I mean.
3: Yeah, yeah. Jim's Everybody's nice, nice Although, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah,
1: he did. Ha- he did have some uh, silly comment the other day
2: where he sort of endorsed uh, Donald Trump's uh, yeah, I heard anti Mexican rant.
1: Yeah, that was really. a
2: but, peculiar. But yeah, but also to be, yeah, he, he was talking about leadership, and then out of nowhere, he said, "We got to build a damn wall," like Donald Trump said. <laughs> we don't have leaders in Washington, <laughs> he, so I was like,
1: whew, the, uh, "John Harbaugh is a good. He's a leader. Uh, yeah. He's he's also very well temperamented, You know, he at least <laughs> from what I've seen." The Donald to Donald Trump run, but he, you know, even I think with all the, the deflate gate nonsense, he was always deflecting it. He didn't want to get involved. You know, even when there was that whole, you know, Mike Tomlin who jumped on the field, he was never going to like go after Tomlin. I, he's a classy guy as far as I can tell. So it's nice having a coach who's not always putting his foot in his mouth. Um, although to be honest with you, I would have loved to have Rex Ryan.
2: Wait, so you would fire Harbaugh if you could get Ryan today?
1: Um, no, but I would no, have loved. Crazy. I would have loved to have Rex Ryan stayed when when we got rid of him.
3: Yeah. But I think I think, I think, I think, Rex think Ryan's history has been coach. kind to that decision that of the Ravens getting Harbaugh.
1: Yeah, I think they're both very good. I think Rex Ryan's an excellent coach. I actually think Bills are going to be very very interesting to watch this year.
3: I mean, they really like talk about teams podcast. that don't have a quarterback. They have like <laughs> they have no QB. Well,
1: there we go. This'll this'll totally blow up your your belief that all you needs a quarterback.
3: No, no, I Look, I watched this for years,
1: man. I watched
3: this for years, with the with the Jets. They didn't have a quarterback. I mean, they got something out of Sanchez his second year, but you know. I don't By forget,
1: the way. in my formative years, the Ravens never had a quarterback. Okay, they never did. We went through. I mean, I could list you these no-name guys. Like you would, it, do you remember Randall Cunningham was our quarterback, and, I and he actually was good. But
2: you, you know what, I remember randomly. Um, you know, we always talk about how you can never ha- have a great quarterback on a bad team. For some reason, I vividly remember that the first year the Ravens were in Baltimore, Vinny Testaverde was the best quarterback in the league statistically, and you know he had been <laughs> terrible in Tampa, and then he had a
3: couple decent years on the Jets, but he had the best decent season in his career years on the Jets.
2: No, but but his best year of his career by far was for the Ravens. and They went four and twelve, which never happened.
3: No, ninety eight I mean, Jets. Look up, like, his, look up Testaverde's ninety eight Jets numbers. Chester. He had like thirty three touchdowns. All right, I'm going twenty eight to seven. He, he had twenty eight touchdowns, seven picks his Jets season.
1: You guys got to remember those. You know, up until we drafted Flacco, they didn't have a quarterback.
3: Yeah. yeah. Do you
1: you don't remember all those years? Of course and we do. do. I, I mean,
3: you guys won you guys won the Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer.
1: And what did they do with Trent Dilfer the, the minute the Super Bowl ended? They got rid of him. They cut him. Who does
3: it? All right. So I, I got I got the numbers
2: here. Look, Vinny went twelve and one for the Jets that year, and again, twelve and one is a lot better than four and twelve. But um that year in ninety six, and this was a different era for the NFL, he had over four thousand yards when nobody did that. And he had thirty three touchdowns when nobody did that. He didn't go did twelve that. and
3: one, by the way. That's inaccurate.
2: It says that he started thirteen games and
3: went twelve and yeah, one. I believe that's yeah. inaccurate. I believe he lost at least two seasons. games. Why are you calling out pro football reference. Well, 98 um, Jets. That's like my, that would be my specialty on like uh, Sports Jeopardy.
1: All right, boys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that because I was going to be on uh, Stump the Schwab once. And for my specialty, I picked the 1998 Vikings. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, Potash, I just need to say something. Every, co- every fan loves to say that their coach is terrible at challenges. And You know, I'll give, I'll give coaches some benefit of the doubt that I'm sure it's easier to, to look at your TV than sort of in, in, in the game when you're focusing on 70,000 other things at once. Which is why, by the way, I think they should have a specialist who only focuses on things like challenging and going front on fourth and one. Well, some teams have started to do that. I think the Broncos have that this year. Well, what do you mean uh, started to?
1: How long have we had the instant replay? No, you're you're right. Oh, you're right. It's shame, it's shameful that they haven't. Why isn't somebody watching the CBS, you know, broadcast upstairs? Yeah, no, you're right. No, you're right. shouldn't make any decisions. So yeah. the fact that these guys are making poor decisions, you have to ask yourself, Well, who the who he the hell puts
2: is- off a bad decision. You're right. That you're right. But I'm just saying here's the numbers. Now this doesn't take into account failing to challenge because as you said, he doesn't challenge when he should. But Uh-oh. in terms of the success of his challenges, Harbaugh's been one of the best coaches in football. Wow. Uh the only coach yeah. who's been consistently better than fifty percent is Mike Tomlin of your hated Steelers. But that number doesn't take into account the challenges he doesn't make. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, we that this doesn't take into account that Pro Football Reference only tracks their success on challenges they do make. I'm actually and Har- surprised. I'm sure. Yeah, Har- Harbaugh's it. in the high 40s, which is pretty good. Um, you know, you you have guys like Lovey Smith who are you know in the 30s. So Jeff Fisher's like in the 20s almost. So
1: is what are these guys doing? Are they aren't they head coaches? I don't know. It, you know, the
2: only there is the situation where. You're going to use a timeout anyways, and it's late in the game, and so you're almost in the two minutes when you don't have to challenge anymore. So you can just throw the challenge on a plate when you're going to use a timeout anyways. very rare, though. The worst, and and as a Vikings fan, I've seen this so many times, is when the coach calls the timeout and then challenges. He calls the timeout to decide if he should challenge and then challenges, which is idiotic, especially because they lose. Yeah, they call that
3: that the Childress.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Childress did do that quite a few (laughs) times.
3: Yeah. All right, let's talk D for a second, and then we want to get into the schedule. Um, By the way, uh, I think we only went one deep in
2: that um uh, in the roster no, game. No, we went Potash two. Was, we did a couple two deep. of the roster game. We went, we went yeah, but Potash got
3: everyone we brought up. Yeah, he was so. good, he's good. Uh, all right, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this knowledge. defense. I'm looking at the defense, Doomerville and Jimmy Smith and Mosley. Uh, is there anybody, you know, Terrell Suggs, who's the guy who excites you that's like, oh, this guy's gonna have a big year, he's gonna get better on the defense.
1: Can I can I get two? Of course. Am I allowed? Sure. You can have as many <laughs> uh, as you want. So first of all, Timmy Jernigan. It's a fun name. Timmy Jernigan is so good. And he's the reason why the, they felt comfortable getting rid of Nada. Um, now, I just w- opened up my web browser and it said, Timmy Jernigan injury in the, r- oh. in the last game. Oh, boy. Now, that would be absolutely devastating. But um, I'm assuming he's healthy as of right now, and, and he is going to be a monster. Absolute monster. At, right at, you know, at FSU. Um, you know, he's he was on that team with Terrence Brooks, that championship team. Um, another guy who I think is going to be talking about elite is Jimmy Smith. You know, he's the guy who went down last year. Who had he stayed healthy, you know, everybody, everybody, the common wisdom is sort of that had he stayed healthy, the Ravens would have handled the Patriots because uh, you know we're playing Rashawn Melvin, like the the like eighth or ninth cornerback on our team. Um, but Jimmy Smith, he was he was just about to. Cross over into that elite cornerback status and as we know cornerbacks in the nfl are prime prime uh, uh, um, talent right now so jimmy smith jimmy smith timmy jernigan these guys are going to be really important and really impressive on this team
3: all right so we like to uh, go through the schedule week by week and uh you know you make quick predictions on what you think they're going to do and we'll Shoot. see how the ravens end up so chester uh, start us off
2: Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because uh, earlier in this podcast, we've heard from a Steelers fan, and it won't surprise you to know that he predicted the Steelers to win the division. And then we had a Bengals fan, and it won't surprise you to know that he predicted the Bengals to win the division. And this is really the only division in football. The NFC South also, but where – yeah, w- w- three fans in the NFC South predicted their team to win the division, but they're predicting to win it at 9-7. and seven. This is the only division where there's three fan bases that expect their team to win the division, and right. uh, you know not by default. Well, what about the Giants, so, Cowboys,
3: and Eagles, Chester?
2: So you know, Maybe the NFC East, I thought about that, but I don't think Giants fans are expecting to win the division. They might like to make the guy The guy we spoke to is.
0: Uh, you know, well, I, it depends on
2: it depends, uh, which minute of the podcast you catch him.
1: I mean, Marcus Pouncey is going to be... A really, a, a, probably the biggest thing to happen in this division is Marcus Pouncey going down.
2: Yeah, and we discussed that on the Steelers podcast. The fact you know, that the Steelers were the healthiest team in football last year, yeah. and 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 already this year, you know, Le'Veon Bell is missing two games, yeah. and Martavius Bryant's missing four games, and Pouncey's missing the season. Um, before we even go through the schedule, let me ask you it this way: Do you expect? The Ravens, like, you know, a, 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 what is the fan base expecting as, you know, the, the baseline for, for not an unsuccessful season? In other words, tell me what um, – if they missed the playoffs, that would be an unsuccessful season, right? Yeah. If they lost in the first round, would that be an unsuccessful season?
1: Um, no, I don't think so. You know, it is the NFL. It's, it's not easy to make the playoffs every year. And I think that as a Ravens fan, if the Ravens make the playoffs every year, and I get to watch a really exciting football game in, in January. That's what, what, what more could I hope for?
2: All right. So let's look at the schedule now. Wait, you can I say, Chester, one, this is
3: logistically yeah. the most difficult schedule I've ever seen. First, they, they have five road games in the first seven weeks and listen to where the five road games are. Denver, Oakland, Pittsburgh is fine. San Francisco and Arizona. They go out west four times by October 26th.
2: Yeah, but I'm sure, you know, this is one of the situations where they just stay out, like, for sure, between San Francisco yeah. and Arizona. They stay yeah, out that west. Same, oh, yeah, they must uh, – yeah.
3: do you think – do they make a deal with the league maybe that, like, oh, if you give us – because we have so many – because we're playing the AFC West and the NFC West, which is very rare. What, they want their hotel, like, accommodations? No, 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 not their hotel covered. accommodations. Just say, like, it's got to be back-to-back weeks. I think, I think I read that even, that they did something weird like that.
2: All right, so let's look at the <laughs> schedule. So week one, you're going on the road to Denver, and I will point out – I'm sure you remember this well. That How the last can you say time, that's
1: hard? How can you say – the truth is, if I were the Ravens, I would have said, hey, flip it. Let us stay out on the West Coast in November. Like, that sucks. They have to be out on the West Coast in Well, you know on. what?
2: Both of your NFC West road games are the first two weeks of the year. So you don't have to go out West, you know, after September. Too bad. But, you know, I'll, I'll say I'll say this. Last time you guys faced the Broncos in week one, as I'm sure you remember, uh, Peyton threw how many touchdowns was it? Uh, seven? Eighteen? Nineteen? So, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know... Uh, uh, Akiva's one of those on the bandwagon that, that Peyton's cooked and that is he doesn't have any strength in his arm yet but I'm expecting to see a lot of touchdown passes in this game. But tell me what you see happening in week 1 when you go at Denver.
1: You know, I De- Denver will win. Okay. So, I mean, 1. On. You're but, playing yeah. look, you're playing one of an elite quarterback, one of the greatest. He's still going to be able to throw the ball. There you know, it's not going to be like in in the cold, it's not going to be in in the winter. Peyton's going to be ready to go. It's in Denver. You know, why should the Ravens win that game? And I don't think that's gonna say anything about their season. I mean, that's a tough game. All
2: right. So then you then uh, you stay on the road, but it gets a little bit easier at, at Oakland.
1: I mean Oakland may be you may think they're an up and coming team, but that's still a terrible team.
2: Yep. So you're chalking you're chalking that up as a win? Yeah, of course. Yep. Okay, so one and one, and then you get to come home. The first of uh, Is I'm very, just
1: doing this alone, you guys aren't gonna chime in?
2: Well, 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 you're 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 the fan. You have to give us your opinion, and I can tell you if you want to know uh, my prediction for the Ravens this season is ten and six and a division win in a tiebreaker over Cincinnati. Okay, um, but you know that's my prediction. But um, you know this is this is you. You're the expert here. So, so now okay. you come home and you're facing the, the aforementioned Bengals in week three.
1: If that's in Baltimore, I, I say
2: Baltimore wins. So now you're two and one.
1: Here I have and a table here in front of me. Yeah, now now you
2: got very short rest. A Thursday night game at Pittsburgh.
1: Um I'm going to say Ravens in that one. We love going to Pittsburgh. Ravens love going to Pittsburgh. It's so like that, second home.
2: That's a big win. And it's interesting our Bengals fan also said he thought they were going to split with Pittsburgh, but he had the road team in each game. So now you're 3 and 1 with wins against your two big rivals. Yeah. And now you have the easiest stretch in your schedule I think, uh, yeah, at home against Cleveland.
1: Um you know, that would definitely be a trap game after having two games against, you know, tough fierce division rivals and then to have the Browns. But again, if it's still at home, uh, I'll take the Ravens in that one.
2: Okay, so now you're out to a, a very hot start, four game winning streak, and now you yep. go at San Francisco and you know, they're in disarray right now. Um, and it's another one of those two game road swings that Akiva's talking
1: about. I will take um, I'll take the 49ers in that one. Oh. Um, again, wow. I think that's going to be I think they're going to be pretty exhausted after those Three AFC North division games. It's going to be tough, you know. Across the country, it's a home game in San Francisco. It's going to be a
3: tough game. And by the uh, way, we'll the Ravens are Kaepernick staying still- out. They're staying out west both times. They're staying out yeah. the entire week. And where, where are they staying? Do they have their hotel reservations? I don't. I don't know which hotel, but I can find that if you they know. are. Uh,
2: usually, what they do is they fly out the night of the game to the next town. So in other words, they'll stay in Arizona the week before that game, right? They'll stay in. Yeah, you know, in Northern since California, Arizona is
3: so much cheaper. Probably
2: do that in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if NFL teams are really uh, worried about the hotel bills. All right, so you're not paying them.
3: Mr. Bisciotti is, you know, he doesn't want to spend the big. uh... All right, so four and
2: two. Yeah, and uh, another uh, big road game. This one at Arizona on Monday night. Uh,
1: This one's a Monday night game. Uh, This one, this one, the Ravens take. Ravens take.
2: And you guys get another shot at
1: Carson Palmer, who you used to face all the time. Yeah, and he's another one. We sort of, you know, there's certain teams that you just, you just feel confident going into. Um, I, I don't think the Cardinals are as good as they were. Um, I think they're going to be a disappointment this year, and I think the Ravens can take them. All right, so
2: 5-2, and two, and then you come home to face San Diego, another uh, AFC team that thinks they're making the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I'd have to take the Ravens. Again, that one's at home. Um, they always do play well against the Chargers, um, and really because it's a home game. All right, so six and two before
2: the buy, and I gotta be honest. If you had asked me to guess which two games you would have your guys losing, I would not have picked San Francisco. Our San Francisco 49ers fan has been our most depressed fan we've had all season.
1: <laughs> but uh, I mean, how can you blame them? That team yeah. had that team. You know, after that, those two back to back AFC North, and then the, the the Super Bowl appearance. I mean, they were the most promising team, right? They picked uh, who was that running back that they picked? The one who had just torn his ACL?
3: Marcus Lattimore. Uh, do
1: you remember? Yeah. So they picked this guy, right? And and it was almost like. It was almost like flaunting him to the rest of the NFL. Like, right. look at us. We are so stacked that we're going <laughs> to take a guy who's going to just sit out for a year. And he, it was he's sitting like, out
3: forever. But yeah.
1: Right? I mean, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah.
3: listen, they they didn't even – their team was so deep that their rookies weren't even like able to make the roster.
1: Yeah. It was – I mean, so what did they do? How did they – and Jim Harba I mean, like him or hate him. I mean, the guy was a talented coach and they they just alienated him.
3: Yeah. Uh, I don't get it's it. It's a bad situation. I just don't get it. Don't do the same to your heart. All right, so you guys are six and two, <laughs> and the schedule is really soft the next four weeks. You guys host Jacksonville.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you know Jacksonville's a win. Uh, St. Louis is a win. And then you guys go to I Cleveland think one, on Monday night. I think Cleveland is going to be tough because that one's in Cleveland, and you know I just that's whenever we play Cleveland. Who's their QB that in that usually, game
3: Monday, November thirtieth?
1: Oof. Uh, they trade for <laughs>
2: well, we, got, we have a trade
3: so, on the wow prediction. Yeah. Philip it.
1: Rivers, they pick up Philip. Ooh,
2: Rivers. No, they're <laughs> not trading oh. for Philip Rivers. Wait, hold on a second. If you guys face Philip River in consecutive games, because you play San Diego, you beat him. He's so like San Diego, so pissed. Dude. They're like, all right, you're going to Jacksonville.
1: San Diego, <laughs> no, it's Cleveland's trading okay. for him. Yeah, oh, yeah sorry, sorry, up Philip Rivers. They they the Chargers are planning on moving this is to after Boston. the trade deadline. So this Philip is a very Rivers controversial is, trade. It's <laughs> a huge controversial trade. I mean, they signed Philip Rivers. He doesn't want to move to, to Los Angeles. They know that. They're going to get a ton. They're going to get Johnny Manziel in that trade. They're going to get Alex Mack in that trade. They're going to get the rights to Josh Gordon in that trade. It's going to be a massive trade.
3: You can and have, then you could have, Rivers you goes have the rights to Josh Ravens. Gordon for free, I think.
1: You <laughs> go up against the Browns in Cleveland with Philip Rivers at the helm, and they beat <laughs> the Ravens.
3: Oh, boy. I think that's uh, fan fiction. But all right. Crazy. So you guys are 8-3, and three, I think, at that point. And you guys go to Miami the next week. They'll Baltimore you guys always play Miami in tight games.
1: Yeah. Um, so we'll take that one.
3: That's nine and three, and then you guys have a, a wacky three game home stretch in December. This is a weird yeah, schedule. Well that's, that's when you want to have a home Yeah, yeah, no, though. I know. It's just a it's a really unusual schedule. So you guys host Seattle so, on Sunday night football.
1: Yeah. That game would not be flexed
2: out.
3: Not going to get flexed out. That. that game's staying
1: Not going to get flexed. <laughs> so that one the Seahawks will t- probably take. I mean, they're just still going to be the best, one of the best teams next year.
3: Mm-hmm. And then Kansas City at home?
1: Um, we take Kansas City, and then we lose to Steelers and Bengals.
3: So you lose to the All Steelers football, on Sunday yeah. Football. So when you lose to the Bengals to end the season and fall to 10-6, and six, yep. does that knock you out of the playoffs? No. What is it, 10-6, and six, right? Yeah. 10-6. Yeah. and six. You but, are
2: you, but are you winning the division at 10-6? and six?
1: Uh yeah, Went in the division.
3: So in like a three way tie type of thing? In classic Ravens
1: fashion, we everybody's like, ah, oh, they don't look so good and then Flacco comes out the first week of the playoffs and does what he does.
2: So yeah, so you have him at 10 and six winning the division, you have him splitting with Cincy and, and Pittsburgh. So yeah. are those teams also making the playoffs? How many how many teams do you think are making the playoffs in the AFC North this I year? I
1: don't think Cincinnati's gonna make the playoffs.
2: So they beat you in week seventeen, but it's all for naught. All right, so so there I think you have Cincinnati's it.
1: Cincinnati's defense is so that was always their strength, you know. At least in the last couple of years, that defense was was nasty. Um, I don't see that happening again.
2: Yeah, you know, Akiva, I got to say, Michael Potash has been one of our most refreshing guests because we've heard so many homers. You know, we had the guy for the Tennessee Titans telling us they're going to go nine and seven. The guy from the from Washington, the guy from the Browns, they're going nine and seven. These teams could not go nine and seven if you know if they traded for Peyton Manning and Phillip Rivers. And you have a team. <laughs> You have a team that goes 10 and 6 or better every year, and you see them at 10 and 6. And not because you're pessimistic, but just because, you know, realistically, predicting any team to win more than 10 games is very difficult before the yeah. season. And, um, you know, I do appreciate that. And as I said, you know, although I once hated the Ravens, they're actually, you know, the team that I root for now the most of those three teams in the AFC North. So, you know, Michael, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, Good luck sure. to your Ravens this year. Um, it's, you know, those AFC North games are always, you know, entertaining, especially those Steelers-Ravens games, which always end up 17-14, it seems
3: like.
2: <laughs> three um, <zero>. Yeah, so 3-0 <laughs> uh, is only uh, Jets games in the 90s. Akiva, is that correct?
3: Uh, yes, they're the only uh, Jets-Redskins, Jets 1993. Were you there? It, what was, did, it, was, um, it was on Shabbos in Washington, so no. Aki- uh,
1: what did Akiva have the Ravens going
3: uh, I didn't. I didn't pick game by game, but I, I have him also at about ten and six. I think, you know, yeah. they Ak-
2: Ak- Akiva has the game by game, but he hasn't revealed it yet. No spoilers. It'll come in the final episode. What do you, no, you, what you
3: guys
1: think? I'm sorry to. I just have one more question. What do you yeah. guys think about about you know how does
3: the regular season predict the playoffs? I mean, it well, seems to it really, not. It, I feel like it used to, and now it really doesn't at all.
2: Yeah, right? it, you know, remember and. You know, we're, we're, some of our guests in the last few weeks have been too young to remember this, but the NFC won 14 Super Bowls in a row. And it was such a foregone conclusion that, you know, when, when the, when the, when the Broncos beat the Packers, uh, after the 1997 season, that was such an enormous upset. I think the Packers, you know, were only favored by seven or eight points, but the teams were even. But just people couldn't fathom the idea of an AFC team winning the Super Bowl because the NFC was better, and the NFC always won the Super Bowl. Likewise, a wild card team had never won the Super Bowl. The Raiders in like '81 or '82 had been the only team to even make it that far. But all that's been thrown up in the air now. I think that that NFL coaches are so much better, and and you know, conditioning and all those things are sort of has become such an equilibrium that the teams are closer to each other, and so it's become more of a crapshoot. So you see why. Car teams go further than we've never seen, than we've ever seen before. You know, the Giants did it twice. The Ravens did it, and um, and you know, each year it's impossible to predict. You know, one conference over another. So yeah, I, th- I think there's not a lot of correlation. I think the most important thing is, you know, to come back to the quarterback thing. Do you have a quarterback who either is consistently elite or has the ability again to turn it on like Joe Flacco did in those four games in uh, 2013?
1: So should we just start the playoffs in September?
2: Well, that's what college football sort of does, right? Where every game counts.
1: Why don't we just start 32 teams? Well, because,
2: you know, look, and then now we're going to bring it back to where we started this podcast. The Kiva was making the silly argument. Well, if your team lost 41 nothing, and the team you lost to lost 34-7. I, believe it's, so your team all, I think, I think seven. it's
3: called transitive and not silly. But.
2: Yeah, no, but, but 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 in sports it is silly. You know, there's they do every single year in about week nine in the NFL that you they do that circle and they'll post it on Deadspin and other places where they show the transitive property that shows that every single team has been right. every single that's team. Like, in the league. That's so, like yeah.
3: how YU can be Duke.
2: Yeah, exactly. But but that's what you, like that it doesn't work like that. And so I think you know, nobody is necessarily arguing that the best team wins the Super Bowl every year. But that's not the point. You know, American sports are not about, you know, in England, for example, with soccer, not just England, but throughout European soccer, they have, they don't even have playoffs. They have an entire regular season and you win the league for being the best team over the course of several months. And that's fair. It's not going to be relying on who gets lucky in one or two games in the quote unquote postseason. And then separate from that, they have cups and they have tournaments. Um, but yeah, in American sports, we say, no, no, we don't care about the regular season. We care about who wins in the playoffs but it doesn't mean you're the best team it means you were the best team and especially in football where it's not even a series it's just four games and anything can happen you have a tip pass you have yeah. look you guys beat the broncos in that crazy game because of a fluke 80 yard pass now joe flacco has the arm to throw that pass but ultimately that
1: was a very lucky play the fluke yeah you know, that's sort of the great sin of the i think the wild card game now though that play in game in baseball i mean you take you take a sport that statistically is meant to give you the the true winner you know as best it can the true champion the best team and you some and somehow you've added on this one game plan which which is a coin flip yeah it's, it's I think it's terrible. I think it's an injustice to the sport. I mean, I Well, the reason they've
2: done it is they want to it's reward exciting. the division winners because they're saying that if you're the wild card team, no matter how good you are, it's almost impossible. And look, look, the Royals did it last year, so it's not impossible. But the reason it's silly is because, especially when you have the weighted uh, schedules in baseball where you play 80 games against your division, it's very possible that the two best teams in the, in the league will both be in the same division, as what happened frequently in the last decade with the Yankees and the Red Sox. And one of them wins 101 games. One of them wins 98 games and, and the team that, yeah and the 98 te- the 98 win team has to have a coin flip game where at best they're 60 40 favorite and then the team that won 87 games like the twins in the American League Central they get a whole series yeah so i agree with you it's t- the the idea i think is first of all to make it exciting more teams are in the quote unquote playoff race because of a second wild card not
1: even a playoffs you
2: know yeah no, i agree it shouldn't be called the playoffs you make the playoffs if you win that game that, that should be game 163
1: it You're really right. it's so, it's so unfortunate for that team like you said, that you like the have,
2: A's last year, when you're really good all year and you just missed the division. Yeah,
1: you know, and it, well, it's like they have a team that could win like 90 games, and then they'll play like this other team that won like 70, and then they're just literally like a coin flip to get in.
2: Yeah, well, a seven, yeah, a 70 win team isn't gonna you know make that well, coin whatever. flip, game. but no, 80. but yeah, but a team can make it with 84, 85 wins easily, and yeah, they can definitely face. Look, uh, as a Twins fan, that's what I have going for me right now because the Twins have been awful for so for huge chunks of the season, but right now they're a game out of that quote unquote playoff game. And they would play the Yankees if they made it there, and no team has dominated the Twins like the Yankees. But if we could knock them out of the playoffs because of one bullshit game in October, oh, that would be fantastic. Right? It's, Amer- America know. would rejoice. So, it's, um, yeah, but I agree with you. It's uh, it's silly, but you know, again, these sports aren't trying to find the best team; they're trying to get fans' attention. So that's unfortunate. Well, it depends. It depends what your interest is. Uh, the mm-hmm. league's interest is not in finding the best team. The league's interest is maximizing profits. So yeah, that's true. All right. So thanks again for joining us. As as we said, we've uh, we've looked at all three of the powerhouses in the NFC North today. NFC and- North. In the AFC, there North no, today. There, are,
3: there is only one powerhouse in the NFC North.
2: <laughs> That's true. Um, and we have uh, three different opinions about which team is going to win that division. But three teams who expect their teams to do well this year. Michael, thanks for joining us. Yeah, of course. Man. This has been 32 fans in 32 days, and Akiva, we, uh, you know, we're really inching our way up. Right. So we're finally getting it to the big boys.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think we started tonight. I think the Ravens, Steelers, and Bengals—not really the Bengals, but the Ravens and Steelers—are you know legit teams. Yeah, we we crossed to the desert.
2: We had endless podcasts with oh, man, Jacksonville and Tennessee and Tampa and Oakland it. and
1: Washington,
3: I and Cleveland. I would have uh, withered under that kind Kansas of Kansas uh, City. This is we've done like twenty five or so of these, and it's it. There's no, <laughs> There's no end in sight.
1: Yeah, and we had so many
2: conversations about like, oh, on this one, you guys have the seventh broadcast team on Fox or CBS. You're a Ravens fan. You probably don't even know those guys. You only hear from like the top three teams. You're like almost on a, on a, on a first-name basis with Jim Nance and Phil Simms at this point.
3: <laughs> I want to ask one more question, and then we should really wrap this up. Is Ray Rice ever going to take another snap in the NFL, Potash? You know, I... You're not even like nobody... Well, it seems like it, nobody's sniffing around him even.
1: He's radioactive. You know, he's not good uh,
3: enough for it to matter. That's and it has nothing
1: line. it really has nothing to do I mean, it's sort of an unfortunate situation in a way. I mean, I think uh, you know, that's a that's a whole different podcast, you know?
3: I mean the brand, there's, there's a little bit of a rumor right now going around with the Browns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that if, you know, Duke Johnson is injured, maybe they would think about him.
1: Uh, he's radioactive. You know, it, you have to be you know, the only the only team I think would would pick him up would be like the Patriots, the guys who like to screw with the rest of the league. But can we be honest? It has to do with the fact that he averaged three and a half yards a carry his last season.
2: It's got nothing yeah. to do with the wife beating because you know guys have done much worse. Greg Hardy did much worse, and he got a contract with the Cowboys. Peterson did, in my opinion, much worse. You know, and
1: Ray Lewis has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with that. I mean, Ray Rice is the face of domestic abuse in yeah. the NFL That's
3: in the it. whole country, really. right?
1: Yeah. I mean, he's he's radioactive.
2: And it's all because of that video because before that video yeah. what he had done was just as heinous and nobody cared.
1: Yeah. The I mean, NFL it, had a two game suspension and nobody was even complaining he, about it. It's un, it's unfortunate. Look, I I'm not going to defend him, but it is certainly unfortunate for him that his name became he became the face of it, you know? He became Mr. Domestic abuse.
2: All right Akiva, so the headline for today's episode will be Michael Potash defends Ray Rice.
1: He's the real victim. <laughs> and and is pro-domestic abuse. Michael, you're gonna be getting violence.
2: a lot of tweets from men's rights activists, uh, which is not necessarily the crowd you want on like, your side. Great but,
1: job you know, on the
3: podcast.
1: No, I, I don't think I don't think anybody can pick him up.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know what? It's funny because Michael Vick uh, signed with Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago. Did you see that? And all passed? these people are protesting him. They're like, our starting quarterback has raped women from coast to coast. But our allegedly, quarterback oh man, we got to
3: put in a little. We're we're big time now. We can't. I, my, yeah. allegedly on my Ray Race joke a few minutes ago. Also,
2: yeah, but, <laughs> no, but Ray Lewis joke. Office. Sorry, Ray Lewis. Did you yeah, Ben guys Roethlisberger
3: see- allegedly from Georgia to California.
2: Yeah. You know, this has been a long podcast. We've had a great inside look at uh, those three serious contenders in the AFC North. And we hope you have a great, long Labor Day weekend. Next week, we'll be back with the five best teams in the NFL.